All right. Thanks for checking us out. As always, guys, every week, you know what it is. It's Monday, and that always means a new episode. No matter what, we make a new episode happen. Uh, that's, just, <laughs> that's how we operate. So uh, my name is Ian Scotto. I am the dude disguised as a dude playing another dude, Tonto. What's going <laughs> what, on, what everybody? What is that from, by the way? <laughs> that is Tropic Thunder, the greatest oh, movie right. ever. And, 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 you know, people have asked me how the accuracy of 13 hours. The reason we we had like Tropic Thunder playing on the mo- you know in the movie itself, yeah, you know, we're watching it. Me and Boone are watching it, and then we did some of the scene is because we actually said a lot of those things during that night. We were referencing Tropic Thunder, and that was the movie I was watching when the attack first started happening. I was watching Tropic Crazy. Thunder, and so that's what I was like. My, I remember Michael Bay. He goes, he goes, what we because Pablo, we me and him talked. And he goes, go talk to Michael about the night. And I said, he got Mike says, were you, he probably said you were watching a movie. And I said, yeah, I was watching. First, I watched probably the worst, you know, the, the greatest worst sci-fi movie remake, which was Battle Clash of the Titans or something like the old. Oh, they were going to say Mars Attacks. Mars, that's awesome. Dude. I love Mars Attacks. Anyway, <laughs> but th- then I go, but when the attack actually started, we started watching Tropic Thunder because that was a movie that we watched constantly over there because it was so, it, 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 it that's the perfect dude guy anti-parody <laughs> war movie that you watch when you're in war it's the best movie and so yeah i was we were referencing tropic thunder all night that's why we threw it in 13 hours that's why you see us watching it and the just good dude disguises dude playing another dude but that to me i was like that just added more legitimacy to 13 hours and, and michael was cool enough to put it in there like that this is actually the second time we've referenced tropic thunder on a recent show because on the max mullen yeah. show i brought it up um because he was saying how he was like the first real life black action uh, figure. <laughs> yeah. And then he was like all the old figures. I was like, this isn't how black people look. It was like a white guy in blackface. And then I referenced Tropic <laughs> Thunder. Yeah, um, but with that, for, for the new listeners, um, as always, we interview different people in the spot special operations community, which uh, Jason Piccolo, who we have coming on, has some lineage to that community, of course, uh, which we can get into, but uh, more known as a Border Patrol agent, author. And uh, yeah, before we get into everything, this show is sponsored by our great friends at Bubs. And uh, I often talk about the collagen protein. I know Chris uh, talks more often than me, really, about the MCT oil powder. And, and I really should get into it because I've discussed in depth, really, what the collagen protein is, but their MCT oil powder is medium length chains of fat called triglycerides that are extracted from sustainably sourced coconut oil. MCTs are an ideal carrier of caprolic acid scientifically proven to convert into ketones and their medium chain triglyceride oil is derived from 100% virgin coconut oil, which is a fantastic healthy fat source. It is sprayed into a non-GMO gluten-free tapioca starch. And yeah, you could put this in your coffee. You could even combine it with the collagen protein. That's the cool thing with, with their products really is I remember, I won't say the brand, but there was another brand that was doing a hot cocoa, uh, protein powder over the winter, which I thought was cool. But to me, I was like, Bubs has kind of already been doing this because with Bubs, you could just put it right into your hot chocolate, put it into your coffee and and it works best in hot liquids. I mean, you could use it with everything, but with hot liquids, it it, it definitely dissolves the best. It dissolves best. You're you're right. And the MCT oil, guys, I I put in my coffee. It actually adds a little, if if you like a little cream in your coffee, it, it actually adds a little that cream flavor to it. But the coconut oil, and because that's a seller for me, having ulcerative colitis, when I was badly into ulcerative colitis, when it was real, I had really bad inflammation, that was what was recommended to me on a healthy side uh, is to take coconut oil. 
So I already knew the benefits of it and how it can help you repair, not only help repair your insides, but it can help you with diabetes and Alzheimer's and all that other stuff. It really can. Yeah. But what the, uh, but it also, you know, was rebuilding my insides. So when the MCT oil came out, I was like, well, geez, this is, this is just, Perfect. they're just making it better. Just adding coconut oil, but everything else to it. And I found out that it really does give you a ton of energy. It's a great, it doesn't, doesn't advertise as a pre-workout, but guys, it's an excellent pre-workout uh, powder to take. So if you're going to the gym, going for a run right before I go to the gym or I go for the run or both, I take a, a scoop of the MCT oil and it really does help um, a bunch to get my energy levels back up. And in the morning, especially throw some in my coffee and I'm, I'm, I'm wide awake within you know a couple of sips. So guys, it, it, Do you it, have it today. Like you, you're more alert than me today. Right here. Look at it. It's MCT oil with the coffee. <laughs> and, and, um, it's tremendous, guys. And you add it with the collagen protein, a scoop, a scoop of each uh, in the coffee in the morning and a scoop of each before you make a workout and you're good for the day. And I, I can feel the benefits just by my workouts. And obviously, Ian can see the benefits by me yep. and how, how much energy I have. Um, it's tremendous, guys. Uh, best things out there, best on the market. And it, it does it it does what it claims to claims to do. And it tastes good. It really does. The, the collagen protein doesn't have a flavor to it, which is great. No problem there. The MCT oil, again, it has a little bit of a creamy flavor to it if you add it to your coffee. And but it but it makes the coffee better, my opinion. So try it, guys. Yeah. You guys, you're gonna go wrong. Sorry, Andy. No, absolutely. I was all I was gonna say is you really can't forget the mission as well. The mission that is attached to the brand is just equally as important as the product itself. They they give back and they're helping others. Uh, with that brand. And that's why they give 10% back to charity. And that charity being the Gwen Doherty Memorial yeah. Foundation. Uh, and that's the, you know, the name of the brand, Bub, Glenn Bub Doherty. Bub was an adventure seeker, a river guide, skier, Ironman competitor, fitness fanatic, chef, gardener, handyman. I mean, he, he basically did it all. Epic storyteller and a, uh, a national hero. He was a Navy SEAL who saved lives yep. and was always the life of the party. He became a best friend to all who knew him. And that spirit lives within each of us. And that's actually the uh, the foundation for, if you listen to that episode, the cult of recreation, yep. as Sean says, which they sell on their merchandise, the cult of recreation. So uh, check them out, bubsnaturals.com. Promo code BATTLELINE for 20% off, bubsnaturals.com. Use the promo code BATTLELINE. I know you're seeing it everywhere. When I go to Vitamin Shop, I see bubs, but you're going to get the best deal with yep. it. So, yeah, definitely. Yeah, bubsnaturals.com. Promo code BATTLELINE. From Omaha, Nebraska to New York City, from planet Earth to extraterrestrial life in space, a podcast with no equal, engaged in unconventional warfare through your speakers and headphones. This is a show about embracing the suck, conquering your demons, and finding God in the face of adversity. Chris Tonto Peranto. Twitch is on. Motherfucker, I'm going to shoot you in the face. Ian Scotto. You know, Ian and I have been dating for a long time. You are now tuned into the Battle Line Podcast.
The Switch is on, Battleline Podcast, and uh, actually, you know what I was going to tell you before we get into everything? Today, we're recording this on Friday. You guys are hearing this on Monday. I, it might have been the first episode. It might have been the second episode. I rem- I really remember this. You referenced how every day is like a new, ridiculous holiday. I know. And, but, but today, today is a very po- important holiday. It's International Podcast Day. Every day has a holiday. I just can't. I can't keep track of it anymore. This is just... It's it's so ridiculous. We've gone out, we've gone beyond ridiculous to recalculousness. It's, it's that's how far we've got. But yes, it is. And the only reason I knew is because I looked at Instagram and yeah. saw your post. But hey, might as well celebrate the best podcast on the planet, Battleline Podcast. Battleline Podcast, yeah, referring to, and and with National Podcast Day. So all you podcasters out there, great job. Keep doing it. Keep doing your thing. And. Take it away from that mainstream media, those evil bastards out there trying to spin stuff just to make money and cause divisiveness. That's not what we do here. We talk about positive, positive things, positive people. And like I said on the post, when I I reposted it, I think I did on my stories. I said we only interview positively positive people on (laughs) Battleline Podcast. And that's the truth. So. Yeah, generally, I would say that is that is true. I think so. I mean, there's never a show we've ever done where I walk away feeling like, I don't know, everything sucks or, you know, and, yeah. that, and that is the attitude you get when you when you turn on. Oh, TV yeah. For the most part. And we've, so. had, you know, and we've had Alex Jones and Ted Nugent on. We didn't even go that route. We it almost did kind of. But a little bit. Yeah. But, but even though even those are, and I think people and that was what was good. I, I and I Alex is a great guy. I, I think he's a yeah, great the thing. Guy. Alex, Alex, I think there's obviously a lot of passion and sometimes that's anger. But he, he's also a really funny guy. I mean, he is he also is a yes. guy. And he and he is not a guy who takes himself that seriously. No, like, I yeah, the people take him more seriously than what, he, and I think that's what he he parodies the people that take him so seriously. That's what makes him funny. He's, he, and I, Ted Nugent's a funny guy too, obviously. I, and you know, I know he's very yeah. passionate about him. His and, but you know, rightfully should be. But he also has lived. A, both of them have lived tremendous lives. And I know we had him early on, um, sure. so we probably weren't as polished not saying we're polished now but we probably weren't as polished as we were now that so we didn't get the we tried to guide him in the questions of, of really growing up but we did get a lot of their backstory of of them growing up that a lot of people don't talk about which i thought was amazing i mean i didn't know ted's father was you know was i, I knew as a, a veteran but you know getting into how he was raised and so forth it didn't surprise me that he, he was raised pretty tough but I think that's cool. They get stuck. Get, that's what I want to hear. If I see a documentary, I mean, yeah, I like right. to hear the rock stuff, politics, not so much. I want to know how you grew up, man. To me, that interests me. So that was, yeah, that's cool. Yeah, those. That's my favorite stuff. Hearing that, and then also, I I'm going to credit Joe Rogan for saying it, but it is true. He was like, I love, I because I, I I always resonated with this quote that he said. I'm, I'm obviously not going to get it completely correct, sure. but how he said. I love hearing like a good success story, but what I really love is like a guy who fucked his whole life up story and then climbed back to the top. Like well, the, that, those are my favorite stories. And we have a lot of those on here. Well, and that's, that's essentially if you honestly, the Ranger way, the second book or that's all that yeah. is. And, and that's, that's learning from failing, not being a failure, but learning from failure. I think people confuse that and failing is the only way you can learn how to get better. Um, when you fail, you make a mistake. Well, then you realize, well, I better not do that again. When I, put my hand on the oven and burn the living shit out of it. I probably shouldn't do that again. I mean, it's, I'm, I'm, make, I'm simplifying it, but that's essentially what it is. And he's right. And hey, brother, you, you can say about Joe, I, I actually take something from, I, I, not that I watch Oprah. 
Okay. I'm, sure I'm not an <laughs> Oprah watcher, but I do remember I, I did hear an interview when I was listening to the radio and I, I, I get interested in even different interviews and, and, you know, her, when she was coming up and her show was being successful and, and, and was of course, ex- extreme success, uh, obviously, but POS said, how did you, how did you get to where you're doing? How did you get to be such a good interview? And she goes, I just asked questions that I want to know. She goes, I don't, she goes, and that's where I think, so I think I get that from when I say, hey, I don't care what anybody else wants to know. I want to know. <laughs> well, honestly, I have to say that it's kind of pulled from what I heard when I listened to a, a document, a, a interview on a, just a doc, uh, on an AM radio station or FM radio. I can't remember when Oprah was getting interviewed and I thought it was interesting. And I was like, well, that makes a lot of sense. I mean, yeah, you don't have to believe in somebody's ideologies to no, not no. take something positive away from, they said like, you know what, that makes sense. And if I ever have a podcast, which we didn't have one at the time, <laughs> I was like, well, if I ever do something like that, that's, that makes perfect sense to me. I, Cause essentially we all are just interested in, other human beings and, and how they've succeeded by failure or what they've done to succeed or, or they're, they're failing. So they are, you know, we can be relatable to other people and, 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 and they know that they're not alone out there if they make a mistake and that they can overcome it. So yeah, yeah, I, I'm agreed, man. Perfect agreement. Yeah. I agree with that too. And, uh, and I, you know what I took that's kind of similar is I remember when Larry King, and I did get to meet Larry King, rest in peace. That's he was, dude, he's, he's the godfather of all of it. Yeah. He's the originator. I, Howard Stern, they I'm may dead. say it. Yeah, but Larry King, sorry, Howard. Larry King's, sorry. He's he's, he's OG. He's the original gangster. He's the, he's the Yeah, well, one thing I took from him, um, he was actually being interviewed on Opie and Anthony, which showed that he had a great sense of humor because yeah. they made fun of him all the time, and he still went on and <laughs> had a good time with them. But he said that, and I think we've done this on our podcast, where if someone is like, you know, on a rant and it's great. You just got to let them go. You don't have to get too involved. And he said, like, I would just sit back and he's like, sometimes people's ego needs to get involved. And they're like, well, I need to jump in here. And he said, in reality, though, they're listening to your show. People are going to say, I heard it on the Larry King show. He's like, I don't need to jump in because they're going to say, I heard it on, on here. It doesn't really matter. So there's been so many times where someone is just on a tear on this show. And I love letting them go because that, that shows that they're comfortable and they're going to reveal stuff that they might not they have. Might not. And I had to learn that dude. Be, if you learn the beginning, I cut in all the time. It, it was hard to do sometimes. I'm it, guilty of it. it. It was hard though, because cause I was used to being the interviewer, the interviewee, sure. not the, I didn't know how to interview. I'm not saying I still, I do, but I've, I, I, I've, every time we get done from a show, I go back and I do it just like when I do speaking events, when I'm done, I AR it, I after action review it, I, I go through it and I like, okay, what, what could I have done better there? And it's self-reflection and it's humbling, but you got to do it to get better. And I, 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 I've, that's why if you listen now from the beginning to now, I still talk a lot. That's just me. I'm sorry, guys. I just, but <laughs> I, I don't, I don't talk as much because it's them. It's about the person on the show. You're right. This is our show, but they can listen to us all. <laughs> That's not what it's about. We're bringing guests on. We want to hear what they have to say. And I want to hear what they have to say. So uh, the only time I really, when I get really animated is if they bring a memory up because maybe we've, it's a fellow ranger or seal or, and we've gone through the same thing and it, it makes it relatable to where something pops in my head about me getting smoked up at ranger school when they were getting smoked up in buds and just the smells were the same. And that, that gets me excited. So I'll, I'll jump in, but I I've had to learn how to shut the fuck up, shut up, Donald, let them talk because it's their show. It's their show. They're on your show, but it's their show. They, people are wanting to listen to them, not to you run your suck. And 
I'm getting better, but I still got a ways to go. I, but I do the same thing, truthfully. I mean, because I listen back to every show and the one who edits every show. And I think you're the same way. I truly am my biggest critic. There's yeah. so many shows I listen back. And no matter how many years I've been doing this, there are shows I listen back and I'm like, oh, and, like you cringe. You're like, well, why Why do you ask this? This sucks. And you and you have to be critical of yourself. That, that's how you get better. Yeah. Like, I don't think there's anything anyone could tell me that's critical of how I do this that I haven't already criticized myself yeah. and that I'm constantly trying to get better at. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's all about, I guess they say, like, as an expert, you got to put in those, like, 10,000 hours. It is true. That's well, what you really you know do. what you're doing. You do. I, but I, I really believe there's no, we get words, SME, SMEs. We're, we're, the SMEs come in. The subject matter experts coming in. I, I, I don't believe there's any subject matter expert in anything. You're always learning. You're, there's some people that may know more because of experiences, but I don't ever believe there's any expert in anything. There's just someone that may know a lot more than you do. But you're always attaining because to me, a subject matter expert means you're you're perfection. You, you've you've reached the pinnacle. You'll never reach the pinnacle. But that's the beauty of life. You're always trying to strive to get better and better and better. But you'll never be perfect. But that's okay. Ninety nine point nine nine percent is still good, guys. It's still excellent. But if you're going to be perfect, you kind of honestly, I think you lose the zest to live. If you're finally reached that pinnacle, like I can't get any better. Well, then what do you do now? No, you can always get better. That's you can always improve. That's why you're the same. I, I, I'm, I'm admiring that because you're you and I are the same as far as well, we're always trying to get a little bit better. Oh, man, that was an awesome show. Ah, We still made a mistake here. Let's let's see if we can get better on that. End. And that, that's how it live, you live your life. And then you have uh, you have goals and then you have objectives you need to reach. And that gives you that. If, you, if we talk to those guys with post-traumatic stress, all those veterans out there. The reason they get down in the dumps is because they lose focus or they lose the objective. Well, if you always have something you need to reach because you've never reached perfection and you're always trying to reach that perfection in whatever you do, you always have an objective. So you always have a reason to get out of bed in the morning. And you always have a smile on your face because you're always trying. And you're like, man, that was a good day. I tried and I succeeded. Or damn it, I didn't succeed today. All right, I'll work harder tomorrow and figure out what I did wrong and we'll succeed tomorrow. I, I don't know. I just It's just the way I live my life. And I know you're the same way, especially in in this genre that you're, if you're about as close to the subject matter expert that I know, but yeah, again, yeah. As, as, as we've said, <laughs> as we said, I don't ever believe there's ever a subject matter expert in anything because you're always sure. can get a little bit better, but you can be exceptional. And that's, that is, that's a possibility. Always can be exceptional. Yeah. Yeah. I think what you're saying is like, you can never, there's only, you know, there's no mere mortal who's that Jesus Christ yeah. level. You, <laughs> yeah. you can never be perfect yeah. at everything. Uh, yeah. And, and that's very true. And that's, that's what's supposed to humble you is that you can never be, you can never attain that perfection. Well, I think if you and that ask, is why it's important for people to have faith, as you say. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I think you could ask anybody that that's at the top of their game, whether it be in professional sports, the military or anything, they'll tell you, no, I haven't reached perfection. I think you can probably even ask Tom Brady, Hey, are, have you reached the best you can be? He would probably tell you, no, no, I could get better, but that's why he's great. Because he always is working to get better, which is why he's 80 years old and still winning <laughs> Super Bowls. I, or he's not 80. I think he's 50. Like, me or something <laughs> like But you get what I'm saying. You're always yeah. striving to get better. Yeah, that's also why I've, I know I've said it on the show. I'm personally, look, I respect everybody we've had on who's served, who's a combat veteran. But I'm honestly not big on the hero worship thing. Yeah. I, I, I can really uh, respect attributes of different people. But we all have positive and negative attributes. So I think yeah. when you make someone that hero and they're on a pedestal, 
than their perfection. And no, no one is that like, I know, you know, plenty of guys who were as courageous and heroic as it gets in battle, but in their personal life, they may have cheated on their wife. They may have done bad things with their children, you know, to their children, treated them poorly. And that's why I never try to hero worship anyone. Anyone. You're, you're spotty. You're spotty. I've lived that. I've been to that, that high and low. And it's, it, it, you can always get better at something in your life where, I, I, I hate I, I, I even at the I spoke in Dallas a couple of days ago. I spoke in Phoenix four days ago. Still speaking events and and you know I do still feel hey you're a hero and I no I'm not at all no I'm not and and you know in the back of my head I go if they only knew all the shit <laughs> now again you can read it in a book I, I, I it's out there guys it's not like I don't say exactly the mistakes I've made but it's like yeah I, there's no way I'm a hero I did my job. But I have fucked up, screwed up so many times in my personal life and then even on the battlefield or even in training that I'm just like everybody else. I just picked myself up, got back on that horse and kept riding and tried to get better. And that I learned that from my grandfather, who was a picker. A lot of you people that follow know that my grandfather was an immigrant. He was a picker that worked his ass off and got his own farm before he passed. And my dad, who was born dirt poor in Spur, Texas, without a you know, and without a mother and father that died when he was one. So, and worked his way up to be successful in the collegiate, in the NCAA community. So yeah, bro, I, I, I'm with you, man. I'm, I'm, I follow yeah. you. I follow you. What, I, what I would genuinely say and, and coming from those people, I think is that your actions that day were heroic, uh, but 13 hours of your life doesn't define doesn't your define life. Doesn't define my life. Now, oh. you, yeah, yeah. And, you, and you don't want it to. And when you do, then you've got to be humbled and God, God will humble the living crap out of you when you get too full of yourself. And I did, and I learned from it. And but now I can honestly say the balance is there. I, I've, I've got a tremendous family life now. Tremendous. I am I am a devoted father. I, I can say that I am a devoted father and husband, and there's no vices that have control of me anymore. Um, that, um, yeah, that, that used to, um, that can That's ruin your great. life. And a lot of guys get those vices. And not just guys, women too. A lot of, when I say guys, remember, we are a gender neutral show. <laughs> Guys means men and women to us. All right. When we say that. So, and I've seen a lot of women. I've been, yeah, been there guys that, that have the same vices and go through the same things and, and have the same problems that, that, that the, that the men service members have out there. And it's, it's, it's toxic, man. It's, but maybe we could talk about that on our own show. That's something we could. Yeah, we will. Into. We, we got to get to Jason yeah, yeah. Piccolo. That's what I love about this show It's completely unplanned. We had other stuff to talk about in the intro, but sometimes we just get into uh, different subjects. Let's, let's like talk this. about what's that. Cause we almost got, we got four minutes. Let's, let's get into that drone. Cause that drone stuff kind of bothered. I know we wanted to talk about the drone attack and that went sideways. Um, okay. Yeah. Do you want I, me to just text yeah. Jason and tell him we'll be if no, well, what time is eleven twenty six? Do we got two minutes yeah. or we got we gotta to get to reads and all that, but whatever. Oh never mind, never mind, never mind. All right, we'll talk about that later. We'll, we'll get to it after Jason. After the show. Or after we the can show. we can maybe even get into it with Jason if you well, want. I'm sure he has a I'm sure he's got a do- doctor doctor has an opinion. Yes. Dr. Jason he is technically a doctor. He's not he's not this type of doctor like Donnelly Wilkes MD no, he, who we're having him. But he, he does did, have a doctor. He did go to eight years of evil college to get that doctor. No, that's Dr. Evil, guys. That is that <laughs> is evil. I'm too much movie, uh, sorry. 
All right. So so with that, uh, we we are very proud to have a great night vision sponsor on board. And they're they're great at what they do. Oh, yeah. Motonis Defense is the global leader in night vision solutions, providing more high quality night vision capabilities than anyone. Hunters, shooters, boaters, and outdoor enthusiasts rely on Photonis defense systems to make their adventures safer and more successful. Military, law enforcement, and public safety end users utilize Photonis defense solutions to give them the edge at night in tactical situations and rescue operations. Photonis defense is now offering state-of-the-art night vision systems from the PD Pro B 16mm binocular and the PD Pro M 16mm monocular to the PD Pro Q panoramic night vision system. Customers from all over are excited about these new, smaller, lighter NVGs. You've got to see these things to really experience how much smaller and lighter they are than anything you've used previously. And uh, I know it's something that is now, I, I would say, a part of your arsenal. This is what you use. Oh, dude, the, this stuff is amazing. I, I said it when I started with Maxim Defense and I picked up their first brace. Of, and this is different, but I, I, when I picked up their first back brace for uh, AR-15, and I'm like, man, I wish I would have had this overseas. I wish I would have had this in Benghazi. It was the same feeling I had when I started putting the night vision on the Photonos Defense night vision. I put on the 15s first, and then the four bangers, the 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 uh, the quad quadnoculars, whatever the heck they're called, the four the four tubes. I wish I would have had those in Benghazi. I, it just made so much of a difference. Just not just by the, how fantastic the white for, white phosphorus uh, visual acuity is, but just how light they are. Oh my gosh. I mean, I, I wouldn't have had rubber neck. Uh, um, I wouldn't have had problems. You know, it's just, you get tired. I'd say you get tired. Even with the adrenaline finally starts to go, your muscles start to get tired and, and the night vision, it, it'll wear on you, especially if you have it on for a long periods of time and you're wearing it all night. And it was just tremendous. And, and like I said, I, I would heart and take a look at them, get on Photonis defense, do your own due diligence of, of, of what they are, who they are. And then all the special ops guys and also former military guys that are part of their company. So they know what they're doing. But um, if you ever have a chance just to pick some up and try them, you're going to be sold because they're smaller and lighter, but you still have the same visual acuity and the same visual range that you did on the, that we did on the bigger, the bigger versions uh, from other companies. So Photonics Defense is, they're 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 groundbreaking and they're going to continue to be groundbreaking so uh, i would i would advise all you out there especially if you're trainers law enforcement or military current military stay on top of what they're doing and then get with your get with your supply people and start putting in orders because that is the best stuff out there by far Absolutely. So visit photonisdefense.com. Link is right there in the description. P-H-O-T-O-N-I-S defense.com for more information or look for Photonis Defense product options from your local night vision dealer. Photonisdefense.com. And of course, we have to talk about the greatest ammo on the planet, and that is Fort Scott Munitions. Fort Scott is a manufacturer of multi-federal patented solid copper and brass CNC spun ammunition. It's designed to tumble upon impact in soft tissue, leaving devastating wound channels for faster bleed out and quicker incapacitation. This ammunition was originally developed to innovate and improve on the standard of military grade ammunition design. It was found that not only did the TUI ammunition outperform competitors in the self-defense industry, but it quickly became apparent that it would be a top contender for hunters alike. 
with the ammunition being CNC spun, the tolerances are some of the tightest on the market, ensuring that you receive the same results with each pull of the trigger. Uh, get on their mailing list because every now and again, they have these offers where you could buy everything in bulk. Um, but for the most part, they're out of everything on the website and you got to go to your local dealer and you could find that on the dealer locator on the website. Just go to FordScottMunitions.com. And then in addition to that, you'll get 15% off any order uh, for their great merchandise, their shirts, their hats, when you use Battleline at FortScottMunitions.com. Only available to listeners of the Battleline podcast. Go there now. Fort Scott Munitions is a proud supporter of Chris Peranto, Battleline Tactical, and the Battleline podcast. And uh, with that, we're excited to bring on Dr. Jason Piccolo. So joining us for the second time on the podcast, although the first time Chris was not there, so this is really cool that we have all three of us here, Dr. Jason Piccolo, 21-year law enforcement veteran, U.S. Border Patrol agent, and and of course I would say best known as a whistleblower for really major offenses happening at the border to children, which we could get into because that's what you wrote your first book about um, at the border during the Obama administration, uh, Army Captain, Combat Veteran author of Unwavering, a Border Agent Story, and also the author of Out of the Shadows, a whistleblower's firsthand account of how the protection of migrant children became a political firestorm. Both of those are available on Amazon. I mean, your your, uh, resume is huge, so I'll also add in there, regular on Court TV. Every now and again, I turn on Court TV, I see Jason on there, which is great, Um, and also the host of the Protectors podcast. So with that, it's it's awesome to have you back on, man. Uh, And- also leading role as a military advisor and as a special operator in clown motel too. Yes. <laughs> clown motel two. Is there a movie coming out in clown motel or is it just, you're going to clown motel again? Cause I no, missed that episode. Is there the a movie? movie? The movie is actually coming out and, uh, Shut think, up. yeah, hopefully it'll be out soon, man. But it's so, it's so if there's like a B movie, this is probably like a C, but Hey, you know what? It was fun. So, it, so is it, is it like in the genre of killer clowns from outer space, that kind oh. of clown? I mean, is it that, that, well, that, that probably, yeah, that probably had a more, uh, more of a budget, but this oh, is no <laughs> so, <laughs> many, you know what though? I got many Robinsons in it. There's a bunch of other really cool people in there. But the thing is when I, when I found out they were doing clown motel one, I had a buddy who was a stunt man and he was like, Hey, you know, uh, Check this out, and I love clowns. I love horror. I love horror movies. I love horror. Cla- cla- killer clowns from outer space is still yes. That's, that's anything. That's the zombies, that's the clowns. Yep. Yep. Yeah, absolutely, zombies, clowns, especially zombies. But yeah, they um, they're like the next movie, Clown Motel Two, is going to be a military squad fighting clowns. And I'm like, do you guys have a military advisor? And they're like, nah. I'm like, okay, I'm coming out, man. I'm coming out. And when I like three weeks before the movie starts, they're like, oh, we wrote a role for you. So um, I'm specialist Egan and uh, we, we fight clowns, man. That's awesome. Oh, that's, that's going to be cool. That's so is it, where can we see it? Is it, if it's a C movie, so that means it's on Hulu. Yeah. No, I'm just kidding. Yeah, Hulu. No. I'm sorry. I didn't mean, no, I it won't be on Hulu. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Hulu's like <laughs> B, B, <I> A. <laughs> now you'll be able to stream it everywhere. And I think they're doing DVD releases. Cause a lot of these like, lower budget movies the movie's actually a decent budget for for these i didn't realize there's there's like this whole subculture out there that does these movies everywhere they're like a million different horror movies oh yeah so yeah and we filmed at the clown motel and then we filmed it like outside of vegas in some like mines so i remember you going out to the clown motel and i was like oh yeah 
Yeah, yeah you, you know how I know that whole subgenre of films is really so the voice of the show, like the introduction is Debbie Rashan. And if you look up Debbie's IMDB, oh, yeah. she's literally starred in like 200 different movies. It's it's crazy. And they are all of that genre that you that you talk about. Like Debbie will tell you herself, she's never had like a starring role in like a major motion picture. They are all like that B, you know, the trauma movies, all that type of thing. And that was my first gig was working on Fangoria Radio with her. So so that's like that's her whole world and there i've i've done fangoria conventions where debbie was there and like she is an icon to that demographic it's kind of like how with what you guys do it's not like at the forefront of the mainstream necessarily but you go to shot show and like this is what people live for yeah yeah the club hotel should be coming out probably in the next month or two i think they're finished editing they're doing like the pre-screens now they're doing like the quote-unquote red carpet but yeah it's it's fun man it's it's really fun uh, that's cool. go, go ahead. Go ahead. I'm, I'm going to do want to cut you off there, dude. No, I, I wasn't going to say anything really. I mean, that's yeah. I just, I just didn't want another uh, uncomfortable silence like we had before the show started. So everybody knows we had an uncomfortable silence and it was uncomfortable. So I'm trying to keep it going. Here. <laughs> I think you're uh, overstating it. I don't, I don't think it was that big a deal. <laughs> okay. I do have to give a big shout out to Max Martini and, and Mike Carey and everything. They just wrote and actually just put out the the Manson Brothers Midnight Zombie Massacre. And that was pretty good, man. I had those guys on my show. And I love talking. Anything with zombies, man. I love Matt, zombies. So was he the producer? Or was he the, was Martini the producer or director of it? No, he directed it, man. I think he produced it and directed it. And Mike Carey, I think, is a Marine vet. He was in it. Yeah. And a bunch of other different people were in it. It was really – you'd like – you'd get a kick out of it, man. It's fun. Well, Matt, Max is – I just from knowing him from the, mo- from the movie, The 13 Hours, he, he's a, just a nice guy. Great guy, yes, man, and and his brother's a great. His brother was taking photos at our recent 14th hour fun. Nicest guy in the world too. So um, Max is funny. He just just kind of the jo- the locker room sense of humor, funny guy. So I yeah, what, what's it called? And he directed it. Yeah, he directed it. It's got Mike O'Hearn's in it. You know, Mike O'Hearn, the the massive yeah. bodybuilder. Body it's got yeah. Mike Carey in it. Uh, DB Sweeney's in it. Adrian no way. Star, yeah. <laughs> That's cool. Um, it's got a hell of a cast, man. It's called Manson Brothers Midnight Zombie Massacre. That is a great title. It is, man. So is it like a B like a B movie trauma Not- style, or or is it like a like high budget zombie land that sort of production? Yeah. No, is it well, really? no, it's not like high budget, but you can tell it's 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 got good, it's good. It's, good. it's like a right. B B ish plus. B, I'll give it a B plus. How's that? Give it a, and that's all. That's what we're looking for. This is our Roger Ebert version with Doctor Jason yes. Piccolo. He gives it a B plus, so that means definitely go to the theaters and see it, or maybe it will stream on Hulu. Since I said Hulu, and that was it. Yeah. You know, if any, if I could go back and get my doctorate in anything, I probably should have got like my doctorate in IMDb, like Internet Movie Database. <laughs> my head is just swimming with movie trivia that you could never imagine. I mean, That's there awesome. are doctorates for quite honestly completely useless things. Like I, <laughs> when I worked at Fangoria, there was a girl who got her doctorate, and I'm not even joking, in Asian horror. I, I don't know what you could possibly use that for. <laughs> I mean, I have a degree in radio, which is probably like about as useful as a happy meal. Like nowadays, I don't know what you could do with that because now everybody could become a star just like starting their own YouTube channel. You don't have to have any background in it. And it's kind of like, look at that call her daddy podcast. Like 
that girl doesn't really have any background in radio and she just signed, I think a $60 million what? deal with what? Spotify. Yeah. So yeah, look at the call, the call her daddy girl, that podcast. Call her, call her da- what the hell is that? All? It's what? the sex podcast show of this chick originally from New York. I think she dated Noah Syndergaard. She dated one of the Mets and yeah, she just signed a $60 million deal. So it's, it's it's just crazy how it works now. But hey, we'll get into some serious stuff because I uh, know that um the last yeah, time we spoke and and you asked about coming on and, and I've just been like busy with all these different guests. But really, with what's going on now, I know you said you wanted to talk about the border issue because that's truly your expertise. And I think anybody following it knows what's going on at the border right now is horrible and probably in your experience to throw back to the Obama Obama administration. Hey, hey hold, hold on, Jace. Before you get into the seriousness of it, I'm still trying to figure out the 60 million sex podcast by this chick that are we in the wrong podcast genre? Yes. That was, that you, was yeah, that? but you have to be a hot chick, like unless you become <laughs> friends and I don't think you'd be that hot. <laughs> oh, that, I don't that think cut, anyone is interested. Man, that cut me that the breakup of the battle line podcast. You just heard it right here. <laughs> I'm you would make a very ugly trans woman. <laughs> Actually, thank you for saying that. I really appreciate that. All right, now that we've cleared that up, okay. because I'm still trying to catch up. My, I, I, look I it don't up. Understand. Look up Call Her Daddy Spotify. She's making uh, sixty million dollars. Sixty yeah. million dollars. I do still. The, the 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 world needs an enema. Jack Nichol, as famous Jack Nicholson would say. Uh, so. mm-hmm. All right, buddy. Let's talk. Let's talk. Actually, important stuff that. Actually, it is kind of it is important. I don't want to hear because I want to hear about it. I know you were there, you know, twenty one years serving, you know, and uh, and that you know, as much as I don't follow the media, I, I don't. I don't listen. To, I, you can't you can't get away from any of the, a lot of the stuff. And my wife brings it. She brings it. Brought it up to me with the Haitians, and she's like, "What? What do you expect them to? There's ten thousand. Uh, so yeah, go ahead. Let's give us your two cents, man, and 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 roll with it. It's your show. Take off. Well, I I just have to give you a preface. I, you know, twenty one years law enforcement short time in border patrol customs special agent worked high at down at the border which high intensity drug trafficking area sure. uh got deployed over to iraq when i got back i had to find a job closer to home so i, I ended up doing a little dod stuff uh working to get more cases and uh ended up taking over an ice office in philly not in philly but taking over the delaware office to a few jobs for a okay. bit headquarters with them. Then I went to work for the White House. And then when I blew the whistle, I kind of had to find another job. So not on the border now. And uh, I am still with the federal government, but I never talked to the agency I'm with now. And it's believe me, it's not spooky at all. But I do keep I believe me, it's not spooky. It's no it's no like, you know, Jason Piccolo. (laughs) When you see undisclosed, you'd be like, really? Because like, you know, it's, it's just because I don't want to deal with that. But yeah, man, I keep up to date with the border. I still got a ton of friends in the Border Patrol and HSI and ERO and all the other three-letter border agencies. This These numbers are way, way, way past Obama. These are way past the old Clinton days, man. Wow. If you look back in the 90s, you you, you guys remember, well, Ian, you're, well, you, you might remember the 90s with the border down in San Diego yeah. and how it used to be like just running straight up the highway and like, before they put up that fence, man, you couldn't you couldn't populate the, the southwest border in San Diego. You couldn't develop. You couldn't prosper in like the the suburbs of Chula Vista or anything, because it was just overrun with traffic. This traffic migration patterns. They they built a fourteen mile fence back in the nineties under Operation Gatekeeper under Clinton. That pushed traffic. It pushes traffic. That's why, like, if later on, if we talk about walls and fences, Chris will understand this. Ian, you'll probably understand it by by. Uh, 
funnel points in, yeah. in the military. You're always funneling traffic because that's what fences do. But all this traffic is moving down to Texas because that's where it's easy to get across a border right now. And that's where the smuggling corridors are bringing these bodies. But, you know, these Obama era numbers were, were not the million a month or whatever it is at right now. So let's say you got all these bodies coming up to the border and we're, we're processing them in the United States. That's why, like, when people say remain in Mexico, is, it's unfair to them. But you know what? That's the actually it's 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 more fair for them if they actually want a chance at real immigration, because let's say you have a million bodies coming up to the border. Let's say you have 16,000 border patrol agents on the southwest border. That has to cover 365 days a year, 24-7, three or four different shifts, has to deal with processing. That's not including people going on leave. That doesn't include, you know, you have managers and everything else. And then you have you have Customs and Border Protection officers, which has an, I don't know the numbers, but every port of entry has them, to process all these bodies. Then you funnel in all the people from ICE, which is ERO and HSI, two different components, the process. So much of your life, it comes down to processing bodies. What is processing? Processing is when you come in, it's just like any police department. You come in, you search them, you fingerprint them, you have to run their crim history checks, make sure that, you know, send their fingerprints off, make sure that they're not criminal or serial killers and anything else. And then... Uh, now that we're not doing remain in Mexico, you issue them a notice to appear, notice to appear in front of an immigration judge. So you have all these figure like a million a month. Let's just let's say high number, a million a month, maybe less. I don't know. I don't know the, the, the current numbers. All those bodies have to see an immigration judge, even if you cut those bodies in half and to say 500,000, 400,000 have to go before an immigration judge. So are they still do they go? Are they released on their OR or are they? Yeah, they're, they're released. They're given this notice to appear, and they're supposed to provide an address. They don't have a date yet. None of these notice to appears have a date stamped on them yet. So then you're going to mail them, mail them a notice to appear. This piece of paper is supposed to go to the address that they give you. Um, let's we'll get into that in a minute. We'll get into that in a minute. Uh, I, I, I'm, I'm sorry, guys. I'm trying to hold back my laughter because I, I don't want to overshadow Jason. No. Again, we, oh, we've, we've, we've gone from ridiculous to ridiculousness. We've passed ridiculousness straight to ridiculousness. Oh, okay. know, wow. I just, I, every time I, I, I explain this, it gets worse because the numbers get worse. How many immigration judges do you think we have right now? 100, maybe. Uh, we have 460. 400. Okay. That's, I mean, I, I wasn't, I wasn't going to, I wasn't well, going to say, I would think a thousand would be probably no, not enough. No, we need like 2000. Cause yeah. think about it this way. So you, <laughs> you have all these bodies that keep coming and all this paper keeps going out and all these letters keep getting mailed out. Um, you have over a million backlog cases already. This was before. And I remember like when I first, uh, so I worked with, with uh, ER enforcement and removal operations. I worked with that portion of ICE for a bit as a deportation officer. And when I first started as a DO, you know, this is later on after I was a special agent, you know, I said getting closer to home, this kind of understand for people out there who understand how ERO works. I used to have to look at their, the case files for all these uh, immigration court proceedings and some of these people's case files were like boxes and boxes because they keep filing appeals. All those appeals have to go to in front of a judge, right? So then we're really – I, whenever I think about this, my mind just explodes with how stupid 
and how, how crazy this is. So I would love to know right now how many people are actually showing up to see an immigration judge. Yeah. And if they do, that case doesn't get pushed off. Because what a lot of times what they do is they, if the ones who actually show up, they go, oh, you know what? I, I'm going to file an appeal. I have different paperwork. And they're like, okay, let me check my calendar. Okay, we'll see you in two years. It's literally like that. It's literally like one or two years later. And then if they show up, here's why I say remain in Mexico is more judicial, judicious for those who are coming here. We're not talking asylum claims. We're talking those who want to want to immigrate here is because if they really want to see an immigration judge, get their notice to appear, go back to Mexico, wait, and then go actually see it. And if you have a case to stand on, they're going to, they're going to err on the side of caution and provide you that immigration or that benefit. The thing is right now is the, the traffic coming across that border is absolutely nuts because people think if they get a foothold here in the United States, if there is amnesty pass, they're here. If they pass amnesty and they're not here, they don't have that foothold. It's just like holding your ground. They get here, they hold their ground. Amnesty gets passed, passed. They're good to go. As long as they stay out of trouble, they know they're going to be good to go. Well, but they don't even need amnesty if they're waiting for, if you're nope. waiting 10, 15 years just to even have a case held, you just keep getting appeal after appeal. That, that I, 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 I mean, I know a little bit. I didn't know all that. And, oh, and I, no. I, it goes, I, it goes, shit. Wow. Chris, it goes beyond that, man. It's because I, I said I used to work at ICE headquarters. So I used to work in the operation, operations branch or unit or division or whatever crap you call it now. And we would get these letters from these non-governmental organizations, these other politicians, yeah, yeah. these other people. Yep, yep. And you, and, I, I, I yeah, know you know NGOs, brother. Yeah, yeah. You know NGOs. Yeah, they're, they're, and I'm not going to you know knock all of them. But you would get these letters and say, well, you know, he's our clients only got uh, you know three DUIs and he only beat his wife once. Can you, can you grant him – um, a stay of deportation. And depending on who your ICE, who's in charge of ICE at the time, hey, yeah, we'll give it to him. We'll give him 90 days, and then 90 days turns into a year. And then you have all these, you know, I can understand coming here to, you know, it's the United States and freedom. We are the only only nation that really has freedom. No matter what you say, you know, there could be like 70, 80, 100 million of us that actually believe in freedom. But the thing is, Everybody wants to come here, and if you open that border, it, it you bring in everything else that comes with it. Yeah. So, and, and we're not even talking drugs, man. We're not even close to even talking about. It. We forgot the war on drugs, man. Forget drugs coming across the border because that is beyond a reproach. Okay, now I'll let you. You know, I, I could talk all day. I just no, no, I, and that's what. Well, that's what I wanted because I, 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 and this, you know, people in the talk. My grandfather was a picker. He came over. Came over on a work visa, then he'd go back, then he'd come back over and work. And just like when he, and he eventually got his citizenship and got his farm. And then he would have, we'd have the, the pickers and the wetbacks coming over and they would come and work visas and then they would go back. Yeah. Um, I, you know, and I, I know my grandfather, I, I know, and just being grown up around him, he didn't, when he got his citizenship and he got his own farm, he went from being a picker to having his farm. He, he did what he was supposed to do. We learned that from him. We learned hard work. We learned ethics. We learned integrity from him and my grandmother. I, he didn't put up with illegal staying past their work visa. If your work visa is done, get off my – and he – again, he can't control them once they're off his farm, but he's like, nope, it's time for you to go back. You're not hiding out here, and I admired that. And I know if he was alive today – He'd be turning over. He'd be he'd be livid 
with how with because he did it the right way and he showed us the right way to do it. So that's why it it means a lot to me when you talk about this because this is this is I, I know what the right way is. If he hadn't done it the right way, I probably wouldn't be in this country. I literally. So I, I and that that's what pisses me off with all these sad sob stories because it is political. It's bullshit. It's red and blue and and whatever side you're on. And instead of just doing what you're supposed to do the right way, which is what it says. So I keep going, man. I, I love no, that. No, no, man. I, uh, I'm, very I'm, the passionate same, about it. I'm the same way. My, uh, my grand, I'm like what? Third, second, third generation of Italians and Irish and whatever the hell I am. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but man, you know, here's a deal with immigration law and piecemeal this piecemeal the law you you know you bring up a hell of a point and i'll 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 hey you know what i'll go down that way i i am very pro immigrant when it comes to doing it the right way yep. i am pro migration piecemeal this law piecemeal you know what we need workers yes we do absolutely need workers give them work visas they come over for three years four years whatever they have to go back and then if they want to come back they have to pass a criminal pass. history check yep. They have to do their biometrics, DNA, whatever, because here's the deal. And this is this is very pro-migration. If you're not under a legal work document, um, and I'm going to bring up a case about uh, under uh, Trump administration of they started raiding these these factories, and people are like, oh my gosh, they're going to deport all the workers. They're there to get the workers. I'm like, no, they're not. They are there to get the companies. That is what nine times out of ten with worksite enforcement is. Is because if you don't have that legal document, they could work you 12, 15 hours a day. Pay they you could nothing. Pay you nothing. What is EEO? Throw it out the door because you don't have any recourse. What is OSHA? Doesn't matter. You <laughs> don't have any recourse. Um, PPE? Nah, you don't need PPE. That's what people don't understand. When you and, and then this this is a this is a whole this is a mass effect. You remember when I said um, 500,000 people are coming? Let's just say, uh, let's go 500,000. It's small. And you you deploy special agents. So people who don't understand Homeland Security, it's broken up into different branches. You have the uniform branches, and then you have ICE. Oh, my gosh. Defund them. Kill them. Get them out of here. But nobody has any idea what ICE actually does. 40% is immigration, which falls under Enforcement and Removal Operations, ERO. That's all about, you know, stays, removal, deportations, fugitives, criminal fugitives, um, stuff like that. They monitor cases as they go through the court process. Then you have Homeland Security investigations, which does do human trafficking, does do human smuggling, child exploitation, money laundering, munitions list items going across um, the sea, um, and 50 million other different jobs. Anything that has, people don't realize, anything with an international nexus that comes and goes across our border, HSI does. So let's say you're getting a massive influx at the border and you need bodies to process. You pull them from the special agent cadre and you send them to the border. You take them from their jobs of stopping pedophilia and stopping child pornography and going after human traffickers and human smuggling and have them processing and babysitting. So that whole, it's the whole circular thing, man. And you know what else they can't do? They can't do work site enforcement. They can't go after these big companies for, for making dollars off the backs of illegal immigrants. And I, you know, I'm a, I'm a patriot through and through. I love my country. I love my flag. Don't quite necessarily love the government, but the thing is I'm still a humanitarian. And if you think it's cool that just because someone's here, here illegally, 
that we should work them to death and let them die in a field somewhere. It's bullshit, man. Bullshit. Yep. And you know what? These companies, these these one percenters that run these companies, they're the ones making the money. They're the ones using these people because they know they can't use you. They will not use a U.S. citizen because they know they can get in trouble. So you pull all these agents from doing worksite enforcement or you stop worksite enforcement because the optics are, oh, my gosh, we're, we're ramping up and we're, we're deporting all these people. I bet you 99 percent of those people they pulled from those companies that were here um, illegally, the ones who weren't when they ran their criminal history checks criminals, they got released back and issued an NTA. So that's the circular thing, man. And it just it drives me nuts when you're when you're you're essentially taking resources away from the real bona fide bullshit crime out there. Because we know there's so many scumbags out there that need to go to jail and there's not enough people to put them in jail anymore. Yeah. No. Well, I, I want to jump I in do. here because you really speak from experience with that. I mean, I mentioned it in the intro and and we spoke about it pretty briefly the first time I had you on. But I'd love to get into what you blew the whistle on, because a lot of people are hearing you for the first time. And it's it's a pretty incredible story that got very little news coverage. <laughs> yeah, it did, didn't it? Uh, yeah. So um, and so I, I, I get the headquarters, right? Uh, ICE. I eventually get onto this human smuggling cell. And so what happened was like, I think around 2011, 2012, 2013, there started to be a massive influx of unaccompanied Migrant children coming across the border, or unaccompanied alien children, as they used to call them, UACs. Remember that word or that acronym, UAC. So all these kids are coming across the border solo. And everybody's seen a video of last year when the kids were getting tossed over the fence. Uh, these kids are still coming now. So I get assigned to this, this uh, DHS cell, and our job is to disrupt and dismantle all these smuggling organizations, all these trafficking organizations. We're supposed to get together the operations, push them out to the field, and make sure we can stop this shit. So this is 2015. It's under Obama. It's a year before the election. And uh, I get a spreadsheet, right? And at the time, I'm ERO. I'm working. I, I'm in charge of the UAC database. So I see all the I see all the kids, and they take little pictures. And a UAC is anybody up to, I think it was like 17 at the time. It's a minor. Um 17 on down. And yes, I always preface this as saying, yes, there was MS-13 coming across posing right. as teens. Yes, absolutely. And yes, there's adults posing as teens. But we're talking the, the tender age ones. And this is what really got me. Because at the time, my kids, I think, were six and eight. Right. I get this spreadsheet, right? And um, here's the process. Little kid comes across the border. Uh, border Patrol, they either get in Border Patrol custody or they get an Office of uh, Customs and Border Protection. They get transferred over to ICE. They run. Um, they process the child. They hand them over to the Health and Human Services Office of Refugee Resettlement, non-law enforcement entity, who then hands them over to a contracted sponsor facility, who then hands them over to a sponsor that comes in and takes the child. Well, I found out that uh, these sponsors weren't getting their criminal history checks done. Nobody was running their name. Nobody was running their fingerprints. Nobody's checking if they were criminals. So you Why? would have these. Uh, Why? They weren't, that's what I asked. That's exactly what I asked. Why? They said, and that, oh, shit, man, this is going to drive me nuts. Every time, it's because it gets worse because uh, it gets worse about six months ago. And we'll get into that in a minute. So these kids, they get released. And uh, ICE decides, hey, you know what? We're going to run. We're just going to run these criminal history checks. And it turns out um, they did a spot check, 29,000 of, and at this time, there's probably over 100,000 plus kids that had gotten released. 29,000, 3,400 came back to be criminals. 
uh, criminal histories and including sex offenders. So these are the sponsors. These yep. they're, they're okay. Okay. Got it. And, the, got it. and they're the sponsors already have the kids. I mean, these kids are in a wind. So I go to my supervisors. I'm like, you know, and at this time I've already worked a, a ton of shit in my life. I know we could do dynamic operations. I know. And it doesn't even have to be dynamic. I know we could do an operation. We were supposed to have allegedly supposed to have their last known address, their addresses, because we're supposed to be checking on them. Well, health and human services is. And they said, no, we can't do that. Um, I'm like, why? And it fell on deaf ears. So I went home, man. I researched how to legally, I'm going to say this again, legally blow the whistle. And I found out that I had to do certain things. Like, and I had to get a hold of the uh, office of special counsel. I had to provide information. So I blew the whistle and, uh, man, they, uh, it, it was a big, a big shit show, man. Cause then health and human services said, Hey, um, this spreadsheet that he, your alleged whistleblower sent in the cells, they, they don't line up. Like they're literally looking at the Excel spreadsheet. I'm like, I'm like assholes. This is how I, I, I'm like, I pulled it out of the, uh, the information. This is the actual spreadsheet that you provided the information for. It doesn't matter about cell alignment. <laughs> Health and human services goes back and forth with me for four months. And I, I finally say to him, I'm like, I'm like, okay, I, I'll anonymously, uh, I'll be, I'll get on a conference call with you guys and I'll explain this shit to you. And that's my dumbass. You know, some, this is what happens when you, you I want to tell people that I was enlisted at one time. I wasn't always an officer. So I do have some common sense. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm on the, uh, I'm on the, uh, the conference line with these guys and girls. And i I remember saying, this is one smart thing I did said, I'm like, I want, a I want a summary of this conversation and I want a list of all the names of people who are on this conference call with me. So I get that later on and I go to, um, they're like, well, how do you know all this information? And they're like, we, we ran history on these. I'm like, well, how many did you run out of what, 29,000? They did a spot check of 25 off of that list. And they found out that, oh, one, well, out of that 25, one of them might have some sort of criminal. I'm like, dude, go- government is those people. They're such shit. They're uh, shit, dude. I'm, I, I, I keep going. Keep, it, I, I mean, it doesn't shock me. No, I'm, really, I'm, really, I'm rolling my eyes going shock. You know, hashtag shocker. Yeah, really. I mean, they're, so, they're, they're, more, they're the worst human beings. Oh, God. Go, keep going. Keep going. All right, keep going. When, when can I retire? All right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, sh- if my boss is listening to this, you're not li- sh- earmuffs. But I um, <laughs> can I swear in here? Oh okay, yeah, man. Uh, yeah, I think we already have. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I thought you were gonna bleep me out because I, you know, oh, I no no, uh, no, 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 keep going. So at the time, I'm in a cell, right? I write the business plan and I help write the charter for this thing. So I'm, I'm I know what the fuck the cell's about. I, um, when they ask me like, you know, well, how do we know that you're, you know, this information is true? Well, I said, I'm a certified fraud examiner, dumbass, um, cause I'm the only certified fraud examiner in a cell of 13. And I say, I work closely with this human smuggling cell. Literally the next business day I showed up to the cell, my detail got terminated Jeez. and I'm like, well, they know who I am. So then this shit starts getting nuts. I, uh, they put me in a cubicle right in the middle of the, uh, the bay. Back at headquarters, ICE headquarters, my cubicle's getting all fucked up all the time. My outlook is all screwed up. I'm starting to figure out, I, I feel like I'm seeing G rides and my wife's a fed too. So I'm like, you know, we're both feds and she's like, oh man, there's something weird going on in our neighborhood. And I'm like, yeah, yeah. I wonder. So then um, I get a hold of Senator Charles Grassley and he, uh, he helps me 
bring this shit to light, man. Nothing was happening until I got a hold of Grassley. Grassley fucking ran with it, man. And he, he changed it and he used what I said. He had them making sure they were doing uh, criminal history checks, taking fingerprints. He called people on the carpet. Um, and then fast forward, you know, then I started. And when I start bringing out the kids in cages under Trump, I got so pissed off. That's when I started doing Fox every week. I was like, you know what? That's bullshit, man. Those kids in cages were there when I was there. And that's the reason you're hearing about all this shit is because I blew the whistle on them. So I started doing uh, Fox and every other mainstream. You could talk about that back then. It was uh, conservative. Um, then I then I started the podcast, and then I went away. Uh, I I started doing my own thing. I wrote my books. I you know I kept my foot on the pulse, writing stuff about trafficking and all that. And then about six months ago, all that work that you know all the bullshit that I had to go through to get them to start fingerprinting these sponsors, they said now. There's just too many kids coming across the border that we're not going to vet the sponsors anymore. We're going to stop doing fingerprints. All these little kids coming across the border now are getting released. Uh, last I checked, unvetted sponsors again. Unbelievable. Yeah, it's it drives me nuts, man. Yeah, but they but they, but they care. They're, you get all this about how we care about lives and kids, how we care about, and they, and they don't give two shits. And they don't. And you you throw the you 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 have your your information. You have black and white stuff that that destroys any case they may have destroys their way of doing it and and they don't listen to you or, or they they try to turn it around that you don't know what you're talking about even though mm-hmm. you're the you are and we just talked about being the subject matter expert <laughs> you are the expert of 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 what you're what you're discussing or what the deficiencies are it, it, it just goes back there is no integrity in dc there's no integrity no, in politicians and yeah, and Ch- you know, good thing Chuck Chuck Grassley's been around forever. I mean, that's a good guy. I, I didn't know you're in Iowa. Um, yeah, he's been around for so it's good no, to have a guy. I'm actually in DC still. But, oh, I, but, but you got, but that's that's a great guy to have because he's he's the old he's dude. He's been around forever, and he is. Was I, he on the oversight committee at the time? Is yeah, he was. He was. He was, yeah. and that's why I you know I tell people right now if you want to blow the whistle, remain anonymous, remain anonymous, remain anonymous. And then also legally do it. The media is going to use you up and spit oh, yeah. you out. They don't oh, care. Really? I, hey, I'm, I've, I second that emotion right there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Definitely. Amen, brother. Yeah, but but you're right. You you can give every piece of information. I, just like I, it, there was nobody to come help you guys. Bullshit. I knew everybody was. Yeah. And, yeah. And you can say here there here you are. Here's their pinpoint of everybody. Oh well, that must have been an old thing from twenty four hours before. No. We moved. We moved all those assets in the whole entire. Re- it's like shut the fuck here. I'm and I'm giving the media and DC the finger right now. Each that, that makes me wonder, Jason. Do you have like a bad experience with the media? Because I know now you are like on Court TV, and, and look when I watch your segments yeah, on Court I, TV, it's not listen, a like, um, divisive thing. I, I pinged when the kids in cages come out. I pinged uh, Kelmead, Brian Kelmead. And he put me on the show like that literally the next day. He's always been on the up and up with me. Um, pretty much everybody has. I've only been, there was one or two times where they tried to get me gotcha. And I was like, dude, I'm like, I gave you my talking points. But I do do court TV now. And that's one thing I, I, I absolutely love. I've been doing it every week since September of 2020. And I break down law enforcement uh, actions. I do the crime time segment where I talk about like officer involved shootings. I talk about kidnappings. But they've always been good to me. Um, I, I, you know, I write for Town Hall. I write for. I used to write for Washington Examiner. A lot of op eds and shit. Um, but yeah, I have. I don't have a bad taste in my mouth with the media. I just don't 
like the media anymore, man. I want investigative journalism. I want someone to say, hey, you know what? They fucked Chris over. I want to find out really how they did it. And then I want them to report on it. And that's never going to happen again. It's not because it's it's a side and it's it's what side is what side is it going to be on? It's not the truth anymore. It's it's who you support or what political party you support. And you don't have to tell the truth or you can just do sex shows and get a 60 million dollar contract. <laughs> 60 million dollars. Exactly. exactly. I'm like, but you know what? I'll, I'll be honest. Like, I think I, I don't want to paint that 100 percent in a negative light because I think for people, it's an escape from like the divisive anger. I do get that. And, and I also will say to paint things in a positive light. <laughs> I mean, if you do look at the ratings for mainstream media, the people who watch, whether it's Fox, CNN, MSNBC, all of it. It's mainly like that 60 plus, really like 70 plus demographic. Mm-hmm. They're not going to even possibly be around in the same capacity when I'm in my 60s, you know, because our demo does not really watch that stuff. They are listening to podcasts and there are people doing investigative things on podcasts. There are people that that I know, you know, as well, like Holly McKay, who we've had on. Sure, yeah. You've spoken yeah, to yeah, does investigative watched- work or. Or Cheryl Atkinson does great investigative work. Cheryl's, there are those Cheryl's, people out there doing it's just, investigative it's just, work. But it's like, but you see them. They they both could be. They could run their own shows, and they probably should mm-hmm. be, but they don't. And Cheryl had her own show until she said, "Well, wait a second. I'm on CBS, but hey, the Obama administration's really." And here's the truth. Well, guess what? You're not going to be on CBS anymore. We're going to. But I think and, she's. I think she's doing her own thing independently. She and is. I think. And I. I think that that very likely has more traction for the future than doing that stuff. It, I mean, look to bring up what we just said. Call her daddy. Which, whether you like it or not, it's a grassroots show of a girl who started on Barstool Sports, and she is now making sixty million dollars. Most of these people on CNN are not making sixty million dollars. Mm-hmm. I, I, I'll have to listen to her show. No, I can't listen to her show. <laughs> but, but, but you do have a point there. It is an escape. Is it the right escape? Well, that's 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 just what ethics and integrity you have. It doesn't. But you're right. It is escape from something different. And I got you. So I, I and and that makes sense. And so uh, Ian again with the cool head talking common sense, where yeah. me and J- me and Jason want to punch punch yeah. people in the face right now. You know, I, I punch women. <laughs> not women. I said people. I said, <laughs> hey, no, we don't punch women in the face. Oh, all right, now stop it, Ian. Come on, man. gosh, why did you even have to go down that route? Now I feel like a total squeeze ball. <laughs> but brother, I and, you know, on it, how? You know, I, I, I know I got through mine and it, it was a lot of ups and downs and it was going through depths where you're just pissed off as hell. Then you, okay, I can get better. I can figure this, get happy again. How do you, how do you maintain that? I mean, how do you not go? And I know you probably have your nights. We all do. You've been there, yeah. you've seen it, you've done it. You're going to have bad thoughts. How do you fight through it and continue to put out? Cause you do, you do great work. You write, you write well, your Thanks, podcast man. great. You, you're still, you're still married. Are you still married? You're still married as of today, right? As of today, yeah. Okay, got it. Well, I got two <laughs> awesome kids, man. I, yeah, so, so my kids you, are awesome, man. How do you how, uh, yeah. do you how do you leave that shit at work? We're back of a better term. How do you? What do you do to to? to I, you know what? I take the federal government, and after I'm done with my day, I shut them off. I get pissed off all the time. I, you know, when I got over to this new agency, they didn't realize I was a whistleblower. Okay. You know, I, you know, I was lucky enough. I found another job. 
I got over here, but as soon as they found out I was a whistleblower, they put baby in a corner. So <laughs> I, uh, I, I will never get promoted in the government. I'll never ever uh, be in the ranks of the the senior executive service or whatever else. I'll never be put in a position where I can make an actual change or affect change. See, that's or, that's horse shit though, because that's the kind of people you want in positions is the ones that have common sense are willing to have the guts to speak out. Not the, but it's the ass kissers. We, you know, I, you, yes, think you, you, you fuck up, you move up. That was the term mm-hmm. when we were GRS or whenever yes. we were the state department, it was the yep. fuck ups that always seemed to move up because they were willing to kiss, kiss ass and yeah. suck and suck a little bit. And that's one of that's, my, I love IG max. One of my favorite posts was like cronyism. And yeah. it's like, look, man, it's like, and you know, the military and law enforcement, it's like, uh, someone pats you on the back when you're, you know, probably when you're a major or captain or whatever and says, if you don't fuck up, you're going to move up or, you know, we know in the government, if you fuck up, you're going to move up. But yeah. as long as you say, as long as you say yes, as long as you say yes, and you're part of their cronies, you're going to move up. Yeah. At the end of the day, the three of us could look in a mirror and we could say, Hey, you know what? Uh, that was a time in my life. That was a bookmark. And this is how I, I, I move forward. That was a bookmark. I learned a lot. I could help affect change to my community, to my people, to people that I want to help, um, the people that I could help with my words, man. Um, and as long as I can, as long as I can keep typing and, and keep talking and talking shit and and get my battle line podcast and, <laughs> and shooting. Um, what kind of ammo am I shooting now? I got a whole. Where's my? Uh, you, what, ever, well, that's one. It's great that you even have ammo. You know, that's even that's a positive. Well, I know, right and I know that Jason actually uh, became, a, and I'll say, a supporter of Fort Scott. Oh, you got Fort Scott? Yeah. yeah, man. Oh hell yeah! I got, I got a bunch of shit because I went out there and I I picked up a three sixty five, a P three sixty five, a while Did back, really? and I was I was zeroing it in. Oh man, we if we could talk, if we start talking guns, I'm I'm out of here because. I'm going nuts with these lever actions now, man. I'm like a lever action. You got player. a lever action? What do you got? Oh, you got, you got like an old co- oh my, lo- that is gorgeous. Look at this. Everybody, beautiful. we're looking at a Marlin 35 Remington Magnum. Wow. I got a Ranger Point Precision on there. Holy crap. And I'm modding all, I'm modding all this up myself. Uh, Dude, I, guys, I wish I, I, I know I'm saying all these things and you can't see, see what he's holding, but that gun is, it's, it's beautiful. But uh, you know, we can put up a picture on Instagram. You know what's something. But see, you know what? That's what he said too. And that's what's awesome is, and it goes back to remember what truth when I, and I still go back to what truth seeker said with, he was, Hey, you know, I wanted to change the world, but I couldn't. And finally it just came down. I got to change what's around me and change myself. Mm-hmm. And that's where you find your happiness. And that's exactly what you're saying is like, well, yeah, there's never going to be able to affect change in the bigger picture. And really, honestly, that's not important enough. The importance yeah. is affecting change within your local community, within around you, because then that will, if everybody did that, the change will, it's like that ripple effect. You drop that pond, mm-hmm. the rock in the water, the ripples will eventually spread out and get to those idiots in DC to, and maybe humble them a little bit. But, um, but you're, you're right. Dude. That's, that's, and that's how I did it too, is, is I brought the change local. I brought it to home first mm-hmm. and I stopped worrying about that bullshit out there that, that really, it will change, but it's going to change on its own eventually. Not me yelling and ranting on the news all the time and being pissed off as I walk off the set going, uh, the sons of bitches and just being full of hate all the time. No, you're, you're right. Dude. You're spot on. Don't be a soundbite, man. That's yeah. It. Yeah. You know? 
That's a hashtag. That's a hashtag right there. Battleline oh. podcast. Hashtag. Whoa, oh, that was going to be right my there. next t-shirt. No, man. that's all. I, <laughs> just because you okay, here's your. Yeah, you guys could use it. You guys could use it. It'd be like <laughs> a collaboration with Jason Piccolo. The there protector. it is. There it is with Do- for Dr. Jason Piccolo. Dr. Damn it. Don't you ever. Oh, my don't you ever. Hey, ever four, not say doctor. four years ago yesterday, I got that thing, man. Oh, and I'm just, a, I failed at it. You know what? I failed at a community college. I, I left my house when I was 15 the first time. The second time was 17 for good. I uh, failed out of community college, joining the Army, and hey, man. Look and if you. anybody could do it, you can – anybody could do it if I could do it. So, yeah. That's, that's awesome. That's, that's an amazing good. just right sound bite right there. See, why can't sound bite be more like <laughs> Anybody that? could do it. And if I – yeah, whatever. <laughs> it's true, though. That's, and that's, that's true inspiration. Uh, you know what it I is. wanted to ask you about, actually, is, you know, you being someone who's, as you just said, who went about being a whistleblower the legal way. I, I remember in the Obama, uh, not the Obama administration, the last Trump administration, and maybe we can get into this. Who who did pardon our friend Gary Brugman, which was a good one. There's other pardons that I wasn't ex- exactly uh, jumping yeah, for joy yeah. over. Mm-hmm. We, we talked about him on some of the shows. Yeah, we yeah but uh, people were talking about should Bradley Manning now Chelsea Manning have been pardoned, and and there was people on all different ends of the spectrum. What do you think of someone like that who didn't go about it the legal way and is you know? Or or Snow or Edward Snowden or, or Snowden, of course, Snowden. I don't know. It, my my viewpoint on people who leak is this: it's a different generation. I can't understand. Like to me, I I have it's you know right and wrong. There's legal ways to do things. It's you know, but it's that instant gratification. You know, it's that I need to know now, and I know I can understand. I I went through four months of trying to affect change, and then you know when I finally got in front of those agencies that came after me. But the thing is, I don't know how to say that about those people anymore is because I've seen what happens when they leak stuff. Uh, but maybe you send I, I, people die, you know, yeah, they, what, when way, they do that way, die. the Intel goes, you know, they're going to say downrange. The guys yeah. are going to die. Men, men and women are going to die because they're going to give away information of, planning operations, tactics, techniques, mm-hmm. or just how we collect intel. So I, I'm, I'm in agreement with you there, man. And uh, people die. They literally die. You know, it, and man, uh, leaking a bunch of shit that's not, and like the media, the media trying to act, I've seen those movies. I've seen the, the write-ups about them. And, oh, we were just trying to, you know, uncover truth. I'm like, nah, you were trying to get some Pulitzers or some other bullshit, you know? Yeah. Yeah, legally find the right way to do it. There's people. There's always someone out there who's doing the right thing. Um, you have to figure it out. You have to do. If you're if you do enough research to find a, a media outlet, you could do enough research to find the right way to do it. Well, and that's 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 how that's exactly what we had to do too. To blame, we were pissed off enough that I mm-hmm. every one of us wanted to go and just oh, let's go to the news and just and I remember. Yeah. We, uh, you know, with no easy day, we were like, wait a second. All right. What happened with that book? Cause that was a book that had come out and we were reading it. Mm-hmm. I remember that was a big story that, uh, the author, why am I, he's a buddy and I'm forgetting. Uh, yeah. Matt Bissonnette, AKA. Mark yeah. 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 Bissonnette where they were cut. The army was Navy was coming after him. And I remember mm-hmm. reading the book going, there's nothing classified in this book just because it's not praising Obama for doing absolutely yeah. nothing except saying it, it, it not. And so I remember when we sat down, we're like, okay, we can't do that. So how do we do this? Well, let's, let's, we need to, obviously we need to find a clearance lawyer because 
we got to have something protect. And that was it. It was like, let's do this the right way. It's going to take a little yes. bit longer, but it's going to protect us at the end because even though we gave up no classified information in the book, we know uh, we, we haven't given plenty of classified information regardless. We knew, learned from no easy day that, okay, even if you don't, but if you're not saying praising the government, they're going to come after you. And, and you're right, brother. If, if we would have done it the wrong way, we wouldn't have just lost our jobs and our clearances. We probably would have been in, thrown in federal prison. Uh, oh, yeah. By easy. Yeah. Don't trust anybody. And, and watch these lawyers out there, too. You're, you're, no, you're, you're, you're right. You, you, we had to, we did a lot of due diligence on the right person. And we, we actually found, I, you know, what's, what's, what's amazing. And it's kind of ironic is the person that actually gave us the lawyer's name was the executive producer for CNN at the time that I used to protect overseas. And we didn't tell her what it was, nothing. So CIA, you can't fuck us over it. We didn't say a word. I just said, I need a clearance lawyer. I know you wrote a book about Eric Prince. Who did you use for Eric Prince? And she says, because there was some some redacted stuff in there. And she goes, this is who you want to use. And and, and we made the right call. And, and, you know, another thing that's ironic is that lawyer is a is a heavy liberal, too. Hmm. But he he was awesome. Yeah. I, yeah. It, 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 and that says something. Maybe you want to fill your you want to have um, some diversity within your team on the on the political spectrum. And you I, know, I got nothing. Go ahead. Go ahead. I'm Chris, sorry. I'm glad you brought the diversity thing up, man. I have friends that are liberals. It's fine. Um, as long as t- someone's telling me not that they're going to put me in a cage or a camp somewhere, yeah. I'm fine, man. You know? <laughs> yeah. And, and when it comes down to ethics and the truth, there are people that are on both sides of the fence that still weigh integrity and ethics first. There's not as many, I don't think there's as many, and I'll be honest, there's not as many as there used to be. I don't believe that. I, I mean, I, I believe that there's not as many people that really have ethics and integrity as there were when I was growing up. And maybe I'm completely wrong. I don't but there still are. And I can just go from what our process was with 13 hours through on that. I know there is because we had liberals, heavy liberals and heavy right wingers on both sides that made it happen. And in my opinion, it was a success. And so I said, yeah, we can't because they wanted they just wanted the truth to come out. And, and I, I even think I think some of them even knew that the repercussions were going to be. As they looked at politics, were going to be negative to Hillary on the down the line, but they still did mm-hmm. the right thing, and they still they still they still. Well, did. you said it right there, the right thing. It's it's that it's that clear cut, man. Anything I talk about the border today and everything else is just the right thing. Right thing, yeah, yeah. It's not hard. I mean, it, it, it's you know, I I write a lot about like because my podcast is you know it's geared towards. Um, military law enforcement, yeah. emergency responders, and people that support them and stuff. And I'm like, you're, you're not finding enough people to, to fill these jobs anymore. You can't just keep beating people down. Here's a reality of law enforcement. And, you know, I've been in the game for a, a long time now, man. And you can't just hire someone and expect them to go and take down the mob or expect them, like, right out of the academy to go and find the next serial killer or rapist or anything. It doesn't happen that way. You need experience. And the more you flush the system of experience – the more real crime is going to happen. Crime is up, what, 400? It's crazy. I think Philly hitches 400 murders. This well, weren't murder, no, murders yeah. up like 30%? I've heard that it is, and I wouldn't. it wouldn't surprise me if it is. So, yeah. I, well, you know, what's funny is because like, I think last summer I went and got my concealed carry. Uh, so I, not concealed carry, but um, instructor, NRA instructor. Yeah, so I yeah, yeah, yeah. Concealed yeah. carry. And when I, so in order to get the concealed carry instructor, you have to go to the basic course. And when I went to the basic, it was like, 
there was people in there like 70, 80 years old liberals buying their first gun. First gun. So when you find like when you see like 70, 80 year old liberals buying their first gun and like kids in their 20s who like with the dyed hair and like, you know, whatever, man, buying guns and trying to get their concealed carry. And it's uh, interesting times, man. Interesting times. If you have the opportunity, if you're. Hey, if this is your first time tuning into the Battle Line podcast and, <laughs> and, and you're not using Sports Scott munitions, and, um, get it concealed. Get learn how to use a firearm, even if it's just just learn. You even know? if it's just keeping it on your bedstand at yeah. night, it, it it doesn't make you the crazy driving an F one fifty down the road. I'm going to shoot everything. It, it, and I've seen people that come through our courses, our, our Battle Line tactical courses, and new shooters and we do our basic and, and it's awesome seeing them. And you should see once they get done, they realize, Oh my gosh, this thing isn't the devil. And actually I had no. fun today and I actually feel a little bit more confident in myself. You know what? I'm going to take another course and I'm going to get mm-hmm. more. And just to seeing the smile on their faces when they realize when you pull the trigger, the gun's not going to blow up in your hand and they can do it. I, I, it's, it's almost, it's, it's, it's an empowering feeling. It is empowering to a lot of Oh, people. you know, I'm glad you brought that up because, you know, a basic concealed carry course, you don't really even have to shoot the gun in, in Virginia. I would highly recommend if you go and take the battle line. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> battle, if we ever get, if we ever get out to Virginia, yeah, if we have a basic course come out, cause you're going to have fun with us, but oh, awesome. take a, take a basic course. But yeah, Virginia, Virginia, I had my, concealed carry then i had my license to carry then i had my defensive license because i was doing executive protection up there they actually had a lot of lot of checks and balances in virginia just to be able yeah. to carry and then to be carry on the job then you had to get your personal protective license so mm-hmm. when everybody says it's virginia is oh man there's too many people carrying in virginia there's not enough checks and balances yeah. shit i went through more checks and balances in virginia and then maryland was even worse oh yeah maryland's just, nuts just to but care. i was gonna say i want to tell people to train don't just get it. Train right. and, and train on a couple of different things, you know. Uh, I mean, just because you're a girl doesn't mean you need a revolver. I hate that adage too, man. Get out there, train, and uh, definitely courses like yours and stuff like that. I I, I need to take more training. I, I call every quarter. I've been shooting for since the nineties. Um, it's perishable skill. Need, yeah, you need more training. Yeah, always. Hey, what? My, my question, this is just my question, uh, you know, and I, I've been asked this and I always push it off like, cause I don't know. How do we stop the migration? Do we stop it? I, cause you're right. Cause yeah. we, we're, if we build fences, then we just funnel it to, we're basically making, putting into a checkpoint mm-hmm. or a control point. But and now that, it doesn't matter. Cause if they're coming across, here's how you stop it. You, you need to change the optics down South, down Central America. Okay. Um, you need to change and say, hey, if you, you're not going to make it across the border, you got to stay in Mexico. The other thing, too, is I think we have, oh, man, I can remember, it was like 13 or 17 consulates down in Central and South America. Yeah. Yeah. Or no, just down in Central America and Mexico and stuff. If you're going to apply to be uh, for asylum or refugee status, open up the consulates down there. Um, I actually, <laughs> I don't know if they use it or not, but it's kind of, it's, it's kind of weird. But I wrote an op-ed about doing a port court at one time where you would have a court set up in these, like a tent city down at the border and you do all the uh, administrative reviews. You could do VTCs and everything down there. Wow. And then it was weird that like two months later, Trump started doing it. So 
maybe I did affect something. Maybe else. you did. <laughs> is, is it still going on, or did they? I don't know. It? They don't. I don't think they do any of that stuff anymore. Because it's more of an, it's more of like, hey, you know what? We're going to hammer this out now and send them back. Well, makes it makes sense. Take care of the problem right there. Boom. Done. Yeah. Take care instead of putting mm -hmm. off putting off the work. I mean, I, I you know, when I put off my laundry, my laundry piles up. It's the yeah. same. I mean, it's that simple. I know no, it's on a grander scale, but it's like, dude, do it now. Get it done. Like I tell my kids, get the shit done. Don't don't put it off. And then it's done. Then you don't have a pile of shit at the end of the week that you got to take care of it. But we don't we don't do it that way. And now and now we're so far behind. How do you catch up? I like you said, how many cases that they're still waiting years and years? You got it. You got it. You got to stop it right now. It's got to be remain in Mexico because if not, it's just it's unfettered open border. Yeah. It really is. Yeah. Hey, uh, all, well, it's it's sort of on the same subject, but Chris and I were going to originally get into it during the intro, and then we ended up getting into all different other stuff. But the uh, the Afghan Afghan refugee situation, we're running into the same issues right now that we're mm -hmm. finding that the people coming over are not vetted, and uh, there's plenty of interpreters who yeah. I think the majority feel should be over here, but that's not everybody. No, it just kind of like seemed like they just grabbed and go. Yeah. And, you know, let's talk about vetting. Okay. So, Ian, you've never been encountered by the police. You've never been encountered by an intelligence organization. You're 20 years old. Uh, well, I don't know how old. How, and Ian, you know, you're definitely not 20. Well, Ian, <laughs> yeah, let's I'm say you're years old. <laughs> Chris and I are like, you know, we've been encountered by dinosaurs. things here. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm but if you've, if you've never been encountered by law enforcement or intelligence, when you vet someone, there's not going to be anything there. Yeah. And here, oh man, I, I did a whole thing with Grassley too. That's what sucks about being vetted, bro, is that the youngsters, you got through so much, you have so much experience. And then when you try, you get vetted or you're going through a clearance that's higher, it's like, holy mm -hmm. shit, are you are busting my balls where this 20 year old that hasn't done anything is done in an hour? It's like, mm -hmm. oh my God. so my experience actually is hurting me because I've actually been, yeah, I, uh, I couldn't oh, keep, keep going, keep going. I, uh, so with Grassley's office, I also, they were asking me like, okay, so unaccompanied alien children, what else did you guys deal with? And I was like, well, Syrians, cause back then it was the Syrians and the Syrians were doing this. They were, they were getting paying a smuggler to go to Dubai and the Dubai, they're transiting to Brazil. They'd link up with another, um, they were using legitimate passports that they would buy from some embassy contacts they had out there, wow. make it into Brazil. Then they would go up the same Southwest corridors, the same smuggling routes as all the other migrants until they got the Southwest border. Then they would present themselves for asylum. And when they got their re interview with, you know, some OGA was down there, uh, ICE Intel was down there and everybody else, you really don't have that long to interview them. But I'd read the Intel in sums and it would be like, uh, and this is all on class open source stuff. And they would say something like, oh, um, like, well, how could you afford $8,000 or $20,000 to get across the border to get here? Oh, my mom sold a car. We sold some acres of land. And that's, but they've never been encountered by law enforcement. They've never been encountered by Intel. How do you say that they didn't? Yeah. You would, and that's why when all this stuff first started, the border started getting nuts, I was saying deploy the military, but not like you think. For one, deploy medical service battalions down there to um, screen them for disease and everything else. Deploy military police for detention operations. 
because military police don't just stop you for doing 22 in, in a 20 zone on, on post. <laughs> on post. <laughs> <laughs> Fuckers. Yeah. You know who you are. Dude. <laughs> Fort, Fort Carson, 1994. I was doing 22. Sense of bitches. It was an E4 too. It was an yeah, E4 I'm, that didn't get to go. Didn't get to go out to the to the club that night. So he's mm-hmm. pissed off. I, I got you. I remember you, specialist <laughs> Egan. No, so anyway, it's, so that's the thing, though, man. Is like all these people coming from other than Mexico OTMs and other than Central and South America. Uh, you can go to cbp.gov right now and see how many of those are coming up to the southwest border claiming asylum and then release with that same notice to appear. How many people does it take to uh, rent? I, I just did a, a what if. If you can go to my IG page, it was like, okay, so uh, it's one of these things. Okay, so you come across a border. And it was like a, I, I call it a, a fiction story, but it was more of like, okay, so what are the terrorists using now? They're using trucks. They're using vehicles. They don't need guns. And I was saying, okay, so you got three or four people come across the border. They rent, get rental trucks, machetes, uh, maybe body armor, maybe not, because they want to affect as much damage as possible. They get a rental truck, a big parade's going on, and they go and they, they run down 60 or 80 people, um, jump out with their machetes, get shot, die. You don't need guns. You don't need massive. Yeah. Yeah. You don't need shit. I remember back in the day, because my wife was intel initially when we first met. We were in the Army in the 90s. And she went to a counterterrorism conference. And um, all these people from the Brits and everywhere else were saying, okay, the next the big things are schools. And what happened in Russia in like 2002, three or whatever, what that was? Or was that? Uh, it, it was, right? no, it was, right. it was, was it 2003 where they? I can't yeah. remember what year it was. Yeah, but yeah. they hit the schools, man. Yeah. So, and then um, Johnny Jihai put out the, the, um, the bullshit uh, fatwa to use vehicles back in the day. And then that was what, eight, nine years ago, 10 years ago. So it, it's just bound to happen that some of these assholes that are coming across the border that aren't here for legitimate reasons of wanting the American life are, are Ian, as you mentioned, the Afghans coming across that aren't vetted, or even if they are vetted, when it comes to vetting, vetting is a bullshit word that sounds good. But if you've never been encountered, and if you've never been interviewed, and you've never been interrogated, you've never been on a red list, red notice, red whatever, by any foreign agency. And oh, by the way, we don't share information with everybody. And if they do, it does go to OGA, and OGA says, oh, shit, um, <laughs> that's going to look bad. Uh, we might not want to talk about this guy, and if he does something, we'll just blame it on. We'll just blame it yeah, exactly. We, yeah. we can't. We got to see. We got to make ourselves still look like we know what the hell we're doing, even though we can. We don't. Oh, that's the word I'm looking for. Even though we can't even get intel on outside people, so we're going to spy on our own country because it's just a hell of a lot easier. Let's just do that. Um, now, I because I, you're, you're right. The vetting. If if you have nothing that you've done in the past, good or bad, and, and I don't know how you can, if, especially if you're from Afghanistan. It's not like they, they go to NDS headquarters and they go and find out who they are, or what they've done. You can just say, yeah, I've been, what have you done? Nothing. Okay. Sounds good to me. Hey, <laughs> see you later. Bye. I mean, that's, it's as simple as that guy. I yeah. need to put it. It's, it's as easy as that. And that's what we're talking about with the 20 year olds and then the older guys. When I, you get interviewed and you're young coming in to any agency, you have done nothing, but maybe go to college. So your background check for your security clearances go like that quick. Your SF-86 is maybe three pages. Okay, it's a little longer than that. But then when you become 50 and you've done a lot, doesn't matter if it's been great. You, you've you won the Medal of Honor. Let's put it that way. 
you will, your vetting is hell because mm -hmm. you've done so much and it makes no difference that you're a Patriot or not. I'm asked it. it they don't give a shit. They just, oh, well, are you sure? It looks like you didn't pay your mortgage or you shorted it a hundred bucks. You're, I know you saved 30 lives over in Iraq, but you didn't a hundred bucks. What happened here when you sh didn't pay your mortgage? I mean, it's that ridiculous. But you're my, spot on. It's how stupid vetting it can be. It's just it's it has I, no uh, common sense at all. I won't mention the agency my wife works for now, but it's FBI. <laughs> but um, anyway, <laughs> they uh, oh man, we'll we'll do a whole nother show on on the background clearance with that one. But it's just it's amazing. But the other thing too is like you know I I'm not an alarmist. I almost said that. I said I almost said I am not an alarmist. But you know what? I kind of am. Because I always say, tell people, like, unless you've actually encountered evil or have seen evil or know what evil is, you live in these little bubbles. And, you know, I, I got to, even though I'm in my basement right now, but I can go outside, I can walk my dogs, and I don't, nobody's going to try to kill me. If I'm in, like, Kensington, Philly, I go to downtown D.C. in, like, some shit area, someone might kill me. They don't have the same moral compass as me. And there's so many people living in these little bubbles where they look at their CNNs or Fox or whatever, and they can get outraged for a minute, and then they go back to doing whatever. There's their little safety. But knowing what the reality is out there, it, it probably drives some people absolutely bonkers, yeah. batshit crazy. Because, you know, that's the other thing down at the border. And uh, the more people I talk about that are still down there about, you know, these women going on birth control a day after pills because they know they're going to be going across the border because they're going to get raped. There's like a lot of fucking scumbags that yeah. are out there preying on innocence. And, you know, it's, it, that, I write a ton now about like trafficking and domestic trafficking because there's so much shit going on and we, we should do a whole nother. You know what? You guys need to come on my show. We'll talk all sorts of shit. Um, Great time, man. But domestic trafficking, what's going on to our kids out there and these, these scumbags trying to recruit our kids in a, I mean, it's not like taken where they're just snatching you off the road and, and, and put you in a life of servitude in a Connex box. I mean, it does happen, but the reality is these guys are like preying on our kids yeah. online, man, and trying to make a buck off of, of little kids, man. It's it's teens and shit that, that they could go after. But so there is what I'm trying to say is I'm trying to get on people to understand is that evil does exist. And living in this bubble that, you know, all it's hunky dory that we saved a whole bunch of Afghanis and everybody coming across our Southwest border, all with good intentions is bullshit. Yeah. I, and it, but it, it, it's an agenda and it works. It works, works for political purposes. It works for the media and it, it's, it's an eye grabber. And of course, you're not going to give all the information or they're not going to tell you something that doesn't follow mm -hmm. their side of the story. And that's where we are like, Hey, this is why we have the podcast. So this is yeah. why people have podcasts. It's like, Hey, the old Paul Harvey. And now the rest of the story, here's, here's yep. really what's going on. <laughs> and where's it coming from? Well, it's coming from a person that actually is in the middle of it, not from somebody who's does pull-ups in his uh, outside his office before he goes on set. <coughs> Cuomo, I just I did look huge. Male hormone therapy. It doesn't. It doesn't work. You know. It goes from. So that's. But but you're spot on, dude. No, you're 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 spot on. And that. But that's how do we combat? How do we combat that? Again, just every day do the right thing. Every day, yes. Keep your eyes out. Don't be paranoid. Yes, danger is. I believe it's it's harder than hell for me not to go out and be paranoid every day. It's not. Mm -hmm. And when I was in D.C. You know, I would do, I would, I'd actually go for a run in those DC areas in New York Avenue, 
just to, maybe it was some bravado thing to see what would happen, but it was more or less, okay, there's not, there's possibilities of getting attacked, but let's just say that there's still some guy out there that's still, it's still going to be out there. And, and maybe you don't want to mess with, there's still good people out there. There's still somebody that maybe will fight back. And I'm not looking to fight back. I don't want to go out and some guy with a machete while I'm running in my little silkies with my little pocket knife on. But hey, if it ha- but it's still showing a presence. It's like, hey, we're still good people here that, that, lo- that, that, that aren't going to stand for, for the shit that's going on. And now on the internet, monitoring your kids' phones, making mm-hmm. sure that you're, 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 being involved with it. my son's on tiktok um yeah i make sure though i always watch like what do you watch yeah i, I ask him and he always gets tired of it raise them right raise them with ethics raise them with integrity so they know what right or wrong is and but that's scary but you know i i, I well, know I'm, yeah I'm, you know i'm glad you i'm glad you brought up the tiktok and stuff you know the kids are know a lot of shit that's going on from tiktok and everything else but having you have to have difficult conversations you have to have an open communication you know, I could talk all day long about how fucked up my childhood and my friends' childhoods were because their parents weren't touchy-feely. Yeah. Um, but the thing is, it's not being – it's just being able to talk to your kids and say, hey, you know what? Some jackasses DM me and uh, we'll tell me who it is. I'll find him and we'll uh, we'll tell him about that particular set but of skills. you have to have that communication, the comfortability. Yeah. And my son, that's why I still – he's seven. he just turned 17. That's why I still give him a kiss in front of all his friends. It's to make him uncomfortable, but it's also the, Hey dad, dad's still a fun guy. He's still, you know, and, and he still loves you. And he will. That's what I'm not never worried about that with my son or my daughter. If, if something happens there, they, Hey, they, they'll come tell us. And it's, it's uh-huh. that weird sort of way they'll walk in and they'll be like, you know, uncomfortable silences. Like we're talking about and I'm like, Hey, okay, what's up? Why are you standing there? What's going on? Well, this happened. Well, what'd you do? Nothing. I, he, I, you handled it. Well, all right, just block it. And, and it doesn't happen often. I'm not saying it happens all the time, but when it does, they handle it the right way. Why do they handle it the right way? Well, because my wife and myself, her more than me, because she was home a lot more than I was, uh-huh. raised them right, but also raised them to know what right or wrong is, and uh, along with, with good good people that were around them. And then also they knew what wrong was a lot of times from their father who would do the wrong thing. So <laughs> yes. But, but yeah. you're right. there, there is positive that can come out of it. I don't want the show to turn into, oh, shit, the world's going to – it's not. But no. bad things no. out there. But there's always been bad things out there. It's just, god dang, they're just not thrown in our faces all the time. Like, but, but Well, that's why the, like, the, the positive uh, uh, you know, end of that, the silver lining, is when we had like, Adam Kokesh on the show. And he said, like factually, we are living in the safest, most peaceful time, although it doesn't seem that way. That's just because that shit is just out there. So that's why I say turn that shit off. Yeah. Or like I do, watch Wreck It Ralph all the time with your kid. That's the best oh, thing to watch Wreck It Ralph. Yeah. <laughs> there, a man. There is. Oh my god, it kills me. So my daughter is eleven. Oh, and, oh god. <laughs> so but she, but she is awesome, man. And so here's my. I get the two kids are just. I, but I find something between both of them. So I'm watching Riverdale. I'm on episode 59 of Riverdale. <laughs> Riverdale. That's all. Uh, I, watch Sam, I watch Sam and Cat with my daughter. Uh, uh, with yeah, the, we, the old Ariana Grande show that was. Yeah, yep. yeah, yeah. But then my son is in the, you know, so I'm going to give a huge shout out. I got a really good buddy. Um, he was EOD for, I just did a show with him. Um, we served together in Iraq in 05 and no, actually 06. And he was, um, EOD for like he was in there like Mazar Sharif in the beginning did like five or six tours all sorts of crazy shit man retired as a first sergeant but he um 
he has a racing team, man, like literal, like real bona fide racing after action racing. And, uh, one thing I found is like, and you guys, you know, we'll talk offline about this because I would like to get you out to the, the racetrack is it's real racing, man. It's like endurance racing, like Mustangs and shit. Cars have to be 15 years old. It's not a circular track. It's like, you know, loop de loop kind of track. And it's uh, eight hours on one day, seven hours the next day or something like that. And it's like one and a half, two hours at a time. And you're just balls to the wall driving, man. That's and he, he, he's got a bunch of EOD guys that do it. Guys that have been blowing up. And uh, it's like the, I'm going out there next month. It's he's doing it on the West Coast right now in uh, Seattle and Portland and that stuff area. But there's going to be an uh, East Coast team after action racing. But I I've chased bad guys. I've d- run really fast, uh, not like you know not running really fast, but I've driven really fast. <laughs> but uh, man, I have never done anything like that. So I brought my son out to a couple races, and now he's like so into cars, man. And now he's, he's, I, I bought him a little setup for his computer. Uh, he's 13 years old. He's up there shifting. He's learning how to use That's awesome. And uh, it's fucking awesome. This, he's talking about like, he's talking about like 1997 cars as classics. And I'm like, what the hell is going on? I got one in the garage. What are you talking about? Got a classic. <laughs> I'm, like, I'm like, son of a bitch. I'm like, just because I'm almost 50. He's like, dad, you're pretty old. I'm like, yeah, thanks, kid. You know? I, yeah, but we are. The, I'm 50. The, we are old, dude. We're old. Yeah, I'm, I'll be 49 in January, man. You youngster. You youngster. I know, man. And, but the thing is, like, the, the way they talk about cars, and now I can talk about cars with them, and it's just awesome. That's man. awesome it's to so have that cool. relationship that you can with yeah. And that you're doing that. And you're right, car, dude. I remember we had to go through our validation courses every year, every couple of years, TDC, and have, you know, just all, spending just an all day driving. To do your off road, then your night vision, then your pitting, and then yeah. all that. It's it's a smoke. People realize it's it's a freaking smoke fest driving all day, and yeah. and we weren't even pushing it to the level. We had more brakes than those guys did, so I can't even imagine. Oh, you know what though is like, but you're you're only driving. It's a team. It's a team sport though. So you know, I wear the whole flame suit, the helmets. It's it's the real cars, man. Um, we get off wow. the we get off here. Check it out. I did a, an interview with him on okay. IG. But it's different, man, because the only thing you think about for that hour or two hours you're in the car is 10 feet in front of you, 10 feet behind side you, and 10 feet behind you. And it is just fucking adrenaline. Wow. Um, and then you get a, you, you have a smile on your face for like six months, and then you go and do it again. So, uh, And the, 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 the racing league is very pro-vet, man, and they'll, they'll give him free entries and stuff like that. But, yeah, it's cool. awesome, brother. Cool. Once again, for the audience, Dr. Jason Piccolo, uh, who you can see regularly on Court TV, and also the host of the Protectors podcast at Dr. Jason Piccolo on Twitter and on Instagram. Uh, the you know the name will be in the description. It's it's not the easiest name to spell. And I remember the first time I brought it on, I said Piccolo, but yeah, Dr. Jason Piccolo. I know now. Um, yeah, check out the Protectors podcast, and and thanks for doing this with us. Really appreciate it. Yeah, last anytime, guys. Awesome. Awesome job. Stay positive, dude. Do your best. I know. Keep that <laughs> smile. That's awesome that your son's doing that. Incredible. I, I got to check out that racing game, too. I love racing games. Oh, and yeah. my we'll six-year-old. Talk, we'll talk. Definitely. Uh, good stuff, man. Thanks, Jason. Awesome. So so before we brought Jason on, which was great having him on, we mentioned the drone strike situation. And it was something we were going to get into during the intro. 
uh, it's something I've definitely been yeah. following. And there's been quite a few people. I mean, there was even a big New York Times piece about yeah. one of the guys that was drone striked. Drone, what would the word be? Drone striked, drone stricken. Just drone, dro- just drone strike. I think it was, it was or drone struck it, struck it, struck it. Let's just make our own word. Don't drone, drone struck it. I mean, the crazy thing is, I mean, you've said plenty of times on this podcast, war is hell and, and civilians die when buildings are bombed and that type of thing where yeah. terrorists are harbored. But I just don't get how you have something as tar. And this is coming from someone outside the military, how you have something as targeted as a drone strike. And it seems like everybody that we've killed from what I read was, was a good guy. What was someone that, that we, I mean, how do you not get that perfect? This, this one is egregious. It is egregious. This one is, no, there are drone strikes where there's collateral damage, but, uh, and we've done you know, under Obama. There were a lot of there. Were, I should say a lot, but a lot in comparison to the other presidents. Oh, he had more than any. Yeah, guy. more. He had more, and, every, and, and we had we had a, American citizens specifically the, Yemen. No due yeah, process. And Warlocky yeah. and his and if I remember correctly, his fourteen year old son. Yes, and it really set a new precedence, and I feel like it got so little coverage. Well, I do, and, and you know why? Again, we talk yeah. about it. it's just the horse shit. It's the the media. It's it's agendas and what side you're on, and 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 I don't know how you can be on if you're going to be on a side. How can you be on that sort of side? It, it's it's unbelievable to me. But anyway, you're right. You know when it, when it first happened. I thought, I thought they got whoever they said they were supposed to get, you know, and so they're like, well, you know, okay, let's, it, it should ha- that's what happens. This war, collateral damage, they, um, but, the, you know, for, and then you think, well, if you want to go from a tactical standpoint, generally when you're going to get a, a real good, you want guys on the ground. You still want guys on the ground, lasering targets, or at least giving you good, in- we didn't have that. Obviously we didn't. There was no intel on the ground. I don't know where they're getting their intel from which is first like, okay, but okay, still, they still got the guy. Yes, they killed other people, but they still got that. So terrible war hell. But then you come to find out they didn't, they just killed, they just killed innocents. There was nobody. they killed no terrorists. Brother, that's manslaughter. I don't give I don't give a shit war or not. And uh, technically I thought we weren't at war. So I, were we not? I, uh, but anyway, regardless, th- that's horse shit. That is somebody now, I don't want to say go to accountable, be accountable. Somebody needs to go to prison for that. Someone that is terrible. I don't even know if maybe, and you know, maybe, but I don't know if that ever happened under Obama, even though we were killing Americans without due process, which is horseshit. Yeah. In Yemen, which a country we weren't at war at, but, and then also, I think we also said one in Libya, but, but Yemen specifically, this one completely Nobody on the ground. Who the hell gave them the intel, the clearance to do that? Because there is nobody to give them the intel. Where were they getting their intel from? Was it just from Facebook again? Because that we're just famous at using Facebook and social media to get our intel now. And then also, why did they report it? And did they know at the beginning when the hit went down that they killed? They didn't kill the person. They killed innocents. So they tried to spin the story. And again, then somebody found out. Wait a second. They're lying about the story. They killed all innocents, so basically they lied from the get-go to the American public. All that is wrong. All that, and and that's just another step in Afghanistan of the pullout that this presidency and this this again, I guys, this is not a political statement. This is this is who is in charge at the moment. Yeah, it is this presidency, this military leadership, which to me is a clown show uh, that they screwed up on. They didn't take accountability for it until they were caught. And bottom bottom line is who gave the clearance to do that hit? 
when no bad person, no bad guy was there. And who's going to take responsibility for it? You can't. And I think they even called it. Or did they call? Somebody said it was called a. Again, I'm, I'm listening to the radio as sure. I'm driving. It was called a righteous kill or something, a righteous strike. What the kind of shit is this? Some Monty Python show now? What are we going to take out the holy hand grenade and start throwing? I mean, what kind of bullshit is this? This is somebody needs to be held accountable and not accountable. Somebody needs to go to prison, and the commander in chief needs to pull his head off his ass. That's terrible, man. War is hell, and there's collateral damage. But the strikes that have collateral damage, you we we generally get the person that we're trying to hit. Generally, this yeah, one I'm was not, complete. Right? Count me out. Maybe I'm all over the. No, place. no, for, you're correct. But I'm just saying to say. I mean, I pulled up this piece from NPR, and and actually on this one, I do think you could credit the media and actually more liberal sources with uncovering this because well, it was good. the New York Times and the Washington okay. Post. Okay. And this is from NPR. Uh, independent investigations by the New York Times and the Washington Post are calling into question the U.S. military claims that its August 29th drone strike in Kabul uh, destroyed a car operated by an ISIS case sympathizer, which allegedly contained explosives destined for the Kabul airport. The U.S. Central Command initial statement described the strike as a, a, a self-defense operation that eliminated an imminent ISIS K threat to the airport. Uh, significant secondary explosions from the vehicle indicated the presence of a substantial amount of explosive material. In a press conference September 1st, Chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staffs, General Mark Milley, called it, here you go, a righteous strike that correctly that? followed procedures. <laughs> and then it says, but the Times and Post investigations were unable to find evidence of any explosives in the car, which they say was driven by 43-year-old Zamari Ahmadi, an engineer working for the U.S. aid group Nutrition and Education International, which aims to eliminate malnutrition in Afghanistan. Wow. Family members told the Times that Ahmadi had applied for refugee resettlement in the United States, Ahmadi was not the only person killed by the drone strikes. Uh, drone strike. Ahmadi's relatives told the Times that ten members of their family were killed, including seven children. I mean, this is just absolutely horrific. It's again, and Tilly, he's the, that guy, Tilly, General to whatever. You mean Mill, Millie, you mean Millie, that. Millie, Tilly, whatever the hell his name <laughs> is. I, yeah. And that's how much awful. Just awful. I, I I don't even have words. I, I want to say something witty, and I can't because it, it just sickens me to my stomach. Um, and I'm not I just very. Look at how how you get it wrong because I mean, look, I I do know from speaking with guys like you, like yourself that there are civilian casualties in war. Yeah. It's just a fact of what happens in war. But a drone strike is as targeted as it gets. Is uh, that I, I just don't understand how you get that wrong. How it's a as good of a guy as you can get a guy fighting malnutrition in Afghanistan and an aid worker helping people. That is a U.S. That is a U.S. supporter, obviously. As well. I, mean, I don't think they church that up. Most Afghanis that were just working generally supported the U.S. Loved us, wanted us there because we did keep some stabilization there. Um, but uh, most, I, I, I hate using most of them. But the Af- I, when I was there, Afghanis liked us there because. They t- and they tolerated the bad with the good because we did keep stabilization there. So girls could go to school. Little girls will never go to school there again. They've actually already started. The Taliban won't let girls go to secondary education. Won't let girls go to school now. But anyway, there is no intel on the ground. There's nobody there calling shots. There's nobody gathering intel information. There's nobody marking targets. You don't fire the fucking gun. 
you don't you don't do it you you, you don't you, I'm sorry you don't you give the intel to the marines or whoever is there saying hey bolo be on the lookout alert here's what the car looks like here's the description if you see it and you can tell when a car if you're on the ground you can tell when a car is full of explosives it is down on the ground i wrote about the range away about the truck i wanted to shoot up but I was looking not just at the truck rolling at me. I'm looking at the characteristics of the truck. How high is it? Is it rolling around? Is it low to the ground? Because explosives are fucking heavy, guys. And they, you're watching all those indicators. That's the best you can do at that point because you don't want collateral damage because you've already destroyed the country enough as it is. I mean, what is it? Uh, hey, Millie. Millie's sitting there going, well, we've already pretty much fucked everybody over there. So what's another 10 civilians if we get it wrong? That's the horseshit way of thinking. And honestly, that's what it looks like happened to me. That's my opinion as they're sitting in the office going, oh, well, fuck it. If we get it wrong, we get it wrong. But so what? You know, that's just another 10. One is enough. It, 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 it's and nobody's going to be held accountable. Nobody's going to go to prison. And I'm happy the New York Times. I didn't know that. I, I didn't know that. I'm happy the New York Times did that. I really am. So maybe we are. Maybe finally. That is starting to the, the little crack in the dam of this political media being one side or the other. That finally, finally, and fingers crossed, finally the media is saying, okay, stop taking sides. We need to report what's going on. I right mean, I'll, I'll, I'll just say. Well, and help me, did I, I? Maybe I'm way off. No, I, I was just going to say from my perspective, right, the media, it's not about uh, taking sides as much as the media as a whole is about selling people to advertisers. And there's this, there's no way people don't want to read this. If anybody uncovered a story this crazy, anyone would publish it. You'd be crazy not to. So maybe Um, I'm being too optimistic. I mean, maybe that's. No, I mean, mean, but it's a major, it's a, it's a major story. And of course there's going to be great investigative reporters who work everywhere. There really are. I don't, I don't think one great investigative reporter is indicative of a whole newspaper. Whoever that investigative reporter is obviously did a great job. And that, and let's just hope again, I, Something not comes out of it, not just that it's a great story, but that all sides. Someone's held accountable. Yeah, yeah all, all sides. doesn't matter which – fuck political parties. If it's a bad – if it's a bad kill, a righteous kill. What the fuck? Righteous strike. What a dipshit. If it's a – righteous or not, if it's bad, if it's not supposed to happen, if there was damage and then they lied about it, they lied about it, it didn't come clean, somebody needs to go to prison. Not held accountable. One of those sons of bitches needs to go to prison. One of them, if not two of them, if not three of them. And at the very least, they need to resign. Bye. You're gone. See ya. Get out of there. Because you can't make a mistake in that position. You know, it's just like an airline pilot. You can't make a mistake. Oh, he, you know what? He didn't land. He crashed the plane. I I think I got that. I listened to Chris Rock. I was at Chris Rock. They did a a comedy show. And it's like, hey. You know, ninety percent's okay. Well, oh, no, yeah. that's not okay with your with the, and I think he was talking about law enforcement, and I agree with law enforcement too. He was, sure. but he also made that comparison to the to. I think I saw that too. Was that his new his latest? Special, I think it, I think, I think with a few like bad apples. He but was it made, but it makes sense. You can't yeah, be yeah. a bad apple up there. You have to do, and that's why you get paid the big bucks. That's why you're supposed to be up there. That's why that you're supposed to have ethics and integrity and morality, and those are three things that aren't up there anymore. Up there in D.C. Those are three things. Virtue, four things. Those four values are not in D.C. anymore. And this is a perfect example of why they are not. And then what they went on to say after it, that makes it more even more culpable and more validates my opinion 
and it's my opinion that they need to go to prison, all of them. And and the president being the commander in chief, dude, you are in charge. You can't recuse yourself with this. You're not the VP. You can't walk away from this like you did in Benghazi. That's what you did when we were there. You can't just say, oh, I'm going to go hang out over here. Nothing to see here. I'm let I'm not part of this. You are now part of that. This is your responsibility. You need to stand up and either. Was there a formal apology ever made or no? I, I have no idea. I, I feel like I feel like this has barely really been addressed. You know, and what I mean? and but, I, but then again, I'm like you. I don't really I'm, I'm the same as you. I don't watch a whole yeah. lot of news. I don't care about watching every, you know, Jen Psaki press conference. <laughs> That's not it's not my world, You're you know, right. and, and I'm glad it's not my world. Me, me too, because you, you see how much this gets far, me fired up if I am. But I, but it should get everybody. I mean, because we're talking about, like we said, uh, as good of a guy as it gets, an aid worker. And this is not who should be targeted. And I, I assume it's not the people doing the drone strikes who make those decisions. No, I, well, well, Phil even told us how much clearance they have to get to even make the strike. You know, when Phil was on the show and he was yeah. in the ISRs that by the time sometimes they got the clearance to strike, the target had already left because they did so many confirmations. That's why this is so terrible is how many confirmations did they go through before they said, go ahead? Well, did they do any this time? Or is that not the route anymore? Or is it just, and again, where the hell is the intel coming? Who gave them the intel? There's nobody, there's nobody on the ground. And Okay, maybe Ground Branch is still on the ground. Some SAD still has some people on the ground there. But you don't have uh, maybe the unit. Maybe Delta has a couple guys milling around in there. But you don't have the targeters. You, I, I don't believe you have the JTACs or you have the combat controllers or you have uh, you know, a, a FO out there actually saying there's there it is. You may have a BOLO. You may have a be on the lookout for a car. But again, you pass that on to your force protection. This is my experience. This is why it sucks to be on the ground, but it's a shit sandwich. You got to eat it. You pass that on to your force protection guys that are on the ground and you say, look for this vehicle. If you see it and it looks like it is a VBID and you can tell just by the way it sits, just by how low it's like, it's like a low rider without fucking, without hydraulics. Damn. I don't care if this racist or I'm Mexican. I can say this. I don't say this. An East LA gangster will be able to tell a VBID better than the damn politicians out there. I mean, that thing is resting on the ground. If you see that, then you light it up. That happened in Iraq quite often. And a lot of times they were right. Lighting up vehicles that are rolling down checkpoints that you have. That's why you have multiple checkpoints. You have different levels of security, four levels. So they have to come through. A vehicle has to come through so many checkpoints so you can address it. So even if it explodes, it explodes on the outer perimeter. And I don't think they had that set up. And I did there wasn't there a Marine commander that that is in prison now or something because he spoke out against. I'd, I'd have to look. Well, I think I think that's one of the reasons he spoke out is because when they went in there, they didn't set up their their security cordons properly where they didn't have perimeter after perimeter after perimeter security before you even get to the airport or before you get to the objective. Why do we do that? Well, we learned that in Iraq that you just can't have one perimeter security that they have to go through because they'll get through that. And it's too close to the area that you're protecting. It'll blow up and it's going to kill people everywhere. Is this uh, what you're talking about? I'm looking at the New York Post here. Uh, Marine who blasted Afghan withdrawal being held in military lockup. I, I, uh, he, I'm, 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 and I'm, I'm assuming I didn't I'm assuming he blasted the leadership because of tactics and the withdrawal. 
but I think he blasted again. Read it because I I, I yeah, read the whole page though, man. If you I'll, know my I'll guys, read, if you don't, I, please do paraphrase it if you can. Yeah, I'll read just the first few paragraphs here. It says because I was unaware of this. Um, it says the U.S. Marine Corps officer who was relieved of his command for chastising his bosses over the botched Afghan withdrawal has landed in military lockup. His father said in a video that went viral on Facebook last month, Lieutenant Colonel Stuart Scheller ripped into military leadership following the devastating suicide bombing at the Kabul airport, which killed 13 U.S. service members and scores of Afghans. Following the impassioned spiel, it says, uh, Lieutenant Colonel Scheller announced he was resigning his commission and walking away from a $2 million pension after 17 years of service. He later announced he was ordered to undergo a mental health screening. Which, that's crazy. Uh, <laughs> that is crazy. Now his father told Task and Purpose that the officer is currently in the brig. Um, I mean, yeah, I... I guess I understand you can't really publicly criticize leadership like that while you're in the uniform. Um, it doesn't sound like anything is wrong with guys' mental health. It sounds no, like he's I, trying I, to do the right thing. What, what I and maybe I, I and I'm guessing, uh, but I, I'm 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 thinking. And if I was a commander, that's one thing I would be criticizing is the way with with the, of the withdrawal, but also. How do they perform security when they got to the airport? And from what I have looked at, and I look, try to look at it from a tactical standpoint, try to look at it from, from X's and O's, try to look at it from pluses and minuses. It did, And being in security for so many years and seeing the growth of what security was in 2003 to where it became later, and then also seeing the failure again in Benghazi when we should have been a lot stronger than what it was in the, a lot of the other areas I was working in, you have concentric range of security and you have multiple for just these things for car bombs. That's what it's for. So if you can ID a car bomb out on the outer perimeter out there, yeah, it may go off, but you're going to lessen the amount of collateral damage and also damage to your own troops, less deaths. And we learned that the hard way. It doesn't sound like they had that in Kabul. And that's why I think, I think part of what this Marine you know, and, and I, I'm, I'm, I'm honestly, I, I, I'm not going to say he was wrong speaking out. It sounds like he probably had. It sounds like with what happened, he had a lot of reason too. And uh, being a, a combat marine, infantry marine, I'm sure he's at that rank, he had a lot of experience. Um, what I'm saying is that with going back to the drone strike again, it started as a failure from the beginning, where it should never have even got to his drone strike. It just should have been a be on the lookout for this vehicle. If and also if they had the the security rings properly set up, which it sounds like they didn't have. So again, a complete failure from ground from square one, which led to a complete failure on a ordered drone strike that killed civilians and Afghanis. Guys, they just want to. I, I, I was so blessed to live within Afghanistan, to live within the cities, to go to their markets, to go and eat, drink coffee. And they just want to live. And you got this guy that's trying to help out. And I've met some of the NGOs. Yeah. I, I, I there's some that are shit that are just, uh, but there also are some that are outstanding and they just want to help. And basically if you could have killed anybody that was complete opposite of a terrorist, they did. Yeah. And then they lied about it. And then they had to be busted about it. And what has taken place, like you said, nobody's been held accountable. Nobody's been thrown in prison, which needs should happen. This it's manslaughter at the very least. It could be murder at an at, you know if, if that was a they meant to kill this guy, which I don't know why they would, but who knows anymore? Dude. I mean, it, in a drone strike, I think the objective is to kill the person. To kill that person. It's, again, who who knows anymore? That's what's so sad about our, our right now and. 
in the U.S. and with our government. I, this is the greatest country in the world, guys. I love the United States. I, the government I can't stand is because we ne- we don't know now because there is no integrity up there. There's no efficacy. There's no virtue at all. So it, it's sad. It's like, man, yeah, there should be mass slaughter, but I wonder if they meant to kill that guy. <laughs> and that's, you shouldn't I, even have to think that. But there, there, of course, are going to be those people in D.C. who do their best to hold people accountable. And that's why it's like having Jason on how he said that senator who worked with him or or when we had on last week, um, Cheryl Dulles, how she talked about the senator in New Jersey who helped her out. So I do think there are those people who are going to hold their feet to the fire. And uh, it's still early on. This is still something that just happened you're, this you're, month. So you're, I think it's to be continued here. And that's that's why that's why I love you, dude. You can you can pull me, <laughs> you can pull me out where I don't go back to those deep holes of oh i just want to well i i mean i think it just it it definitely goes without saying there's going to be people in dc who are as furious about this as you and i I agree the majority of leadership yeah it's terrible but there still are those people who uh you you've even said yourself who you worked with in dc when everything happened they're diamonds they're very few but that you that that helps you so that's and we just just as people though you know vote better but at the end of the day when we get off the show here, I'm not going to, it's not going to stew with, and that's the guys don't let it stew. I'm going to go play with my kids. I'm gonna, I got soccer practice tonight. I'm going to take my boy. Nice. It's wonderful out here in, in, in the Midwest. And you know, and you and I, you know, you are able to get me out of my pissed off modes with what you say, cause you're spot on. You're right. There, there are good people out there. And yeah. then in the end, don't worry about what's going on out there. Even though we're talking about it, we're all venting together. Now go and say, hey, how can I better myself and my immediate life right now? And I'm telling you, if we all would do that and let this shit go, because I will, and I'm going to go be the best father and husband I can be here in the next five minutes, the world will get better. It will. I, I, I've seen it. I just see it when I'm out there speaking. People are so happy to be out amongst each other. That's a beautiful thing. The last oh, two yeah. speaking events in Phoenix and Dallas, just seeing people at conventions that they're able to interact with each other and seeing how happy they are being at venues that a lot of times it'd be like, Oh shit, I got to go sit in another speech. Or I got to go to another workshop. They're ecstatic just to be around each other. And that makes yeah, no, me happy. We're, we're meant to interact with each other. I, I fully agree. And we lost that. I want to ask you one other question. about. Yeah, what's up? I, I know we're kind of ending this, but hey. when you talk about the guy um, criticizing right on Facebook, the only thing I would say, he's probably right with the statements he made, but just from what I've seen, isn't it just always a general no-no? If you're in the yeah. uniform, you're currently serving, you just can't yeah. criticize the administration publicly as much as you may want to. And the, yeah, you, you can't. And you, and you're, you they put actually a, a, a no-talk order against him to hold. Like Jason said, you have to do it the right way. Like us, we had to do it the right way. The wrong way of doing us, and we would have gotten in trouble for it, would be going straight to the news or leaking it. But we would have been, bye. You have to do it the right way. Um, is he wrong? I don't think he's wrong at all. I, th- I, I honestly, I admire his courage. What I would say, good initiative, bad judgment. Wait, hey, dude, you're, you're spot on. You, you're holding your leadership that are actually cow, you know, falling in lockstep, lockstep with this current administration that they shouldn't you're holding them accountable, but that's when the anger, that's when you have to have an Ian Scotto say, Hey dude, hold that anger back. Think about it. You've done it to me many no, times. I, I know. You, you we, held we me back from being angry. That, and, that's so. what, I, and he may have had some, an XO there saying, Hey sir, 
pull it back. You're right, but we need to figure out how to do this the right way. And that's where you have to sit for like two, three, four months, six months. You may have to go back to Yemen like I did and go and just sit and be like, okay, I just got to go back to work so it doesn't eat me up. Well, that's also why we've had guys on the show before who who write under anonymous names, who write under code names. Because if this guy did what he did and he wrote a piece under an anonymous name, that would be fine. If he was completely anonymous, wrote under a code name, wrote under Bob Lee or something and and posted it and it went viral and it was not his face and his voice. That, that's fine, right? It, so. it is until they find out who it is. Then they'll still will try to dig into it. Uh, but if you make it so that they can never find, it, and that, there's ways to do well, and we know we have guys in our show that yeah that are that can do that. They know, and yeah, there is ways definitely. But you let your emotion. He let the emo. My this is just my opinion, and I've been there, guys. I get it. You let your emotion get the best of you, and the reason it didn't for us is because of Jack Silva. Jack Jack is John Krasinski, guys. He is Jack is like the common sense. I'm pissed off too, guys, but let's do this the right way. Sitting in the bar, getting drunk, Jack was the first one to say that was fucked up. That was after they sat us behind this big pole for Tyrone and and Glenn's uh, memorial service, where they brought us in, made us made us sign new non disclosures, even though we signed, signed three of them, and then put us for the memorial service behind a post, so we couldn't see what the hell was going on. Wow. Um, but um, when we were all pissed off, every one of us, me, Tig. Jack Boone, every one of us was pissed. It was Jack who who really is the one that kept everybody's head together. You have to have that one guy that doesn't let the emotion get the best of you. And I think in this case, yeah, the emotion got the best of me. He didn't think clearly. I think if he would think back, how could I do this where I could still get it out but do it properly? I, he probably would redo it. I, I, I would. I mean, if I was in his shoes. But was he wrong in in in? holding trying to hold his leadership his piss poor leadership accountable no he wasn't but you're right he didn't do it the correct way that he now he's suffering the consequences for it but i i but still though you're right the jury's still out um i don't think because of the public outcry and there will be i'm sure there is there i mean he's he's a decorated marine and a lot of people whether they're a right or left feel the same about our 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 piss poor failure withdrawal in afghanistan yeah, I don't see him being incarcerated forever, but I, I do see him losing his retirement. The military can do that, man. Yeah, so yeah, that's absolutely. that's how it is. So I know you're trying to end it on a, on a positive note, as we always do here. We like we never like to end on a negative note. You know what I I wrote down here actually? If you want to talk about something really silly, as I was uh, doing my notes here, uh, I feel like every time the country is in like a state of chaos and nothing is going right. McDonald's finds that it is the perfect time <laughs> to McRib. bring back the, the McRib. Yes. November 1st. Dude, that is, but that's America. Dude, that's America right there. America. <laughs> that should do, they should do that commercial and that's all they should say. McRib, America, make it strong. And then let it go. I did that. that and then, and the McRib is the shit. Dude. The McRib is fire. That is thing is awesome. Awesome. I, wow. I gotta be honest, man. I I'm, I'm gonna sound I'm gonna sound so like upper class here, but the, the truth is like as a kid, I loved McDonald's. I went crazy over the McRib. It, I think the most recent time I may have had it years ago, as I get older, I'm like, this is complete now, I, just like everything else from McDonald's. I still love I still love the McRib and I still love fries. Dude, when we go get happy meals for my little boy, I still get a cheeseburger and fries. 
I can't. I love making, and I did. It's it's gone in like two seconds, um, and and it just sits in my stomach just like it did in the old days. <laughs> I've got to find uh, the tweet because the last time they brought back, brought back the McRib, uh, my favorite comedian now is I always say Tim Dillon had a very funny tweet. He is fun, dude. Tim is fun. You guys, I know. I love this stuff. He's he's hilarious. Tim, what did he, he had say? a tweet the last time he said. Add cheese to the McRib. We're in end oh, times. Oh my gosh, that's, that is brilliant! Oh my gosh, that would taste so good. But you're so spot on, McDonald's. You know, you know how to bring happiness back to the world. That is awesome, and it is. It just makes you smile. Like, oh my gosh, the McRib. Because I can still remember the first time I had a McRib, and it was when I was, I think I was ten. And I saw the commercial. When I was that age, I loved it because I didn't know any better. Well, I, I, don't get me wrong. I still like going out and. Getting my getting my my damn KC strip and you know spending a hundred bucks on dinner just for myself. Sure. I love that, but I don't know. I still love the McRib, dude. I, I think what it is for me because I will still go to like Five Guys and Shake Shack and all that stuff. Five Guys, I think, good. The, I think the trans fats are like the number one killer in America. They really are, and all the, McDonald's. It's all it's trans fats, it's like the worst thing you could possibly eat. And I'm not, I'm not, you know, a health fanatic all day. I mean, I, I am serious about health, I would say, but yeah, trans fats. Oh, but I just think about these guys sitting like the heads of these companies sitting in a boardroom and they're like, look, we got drone strikes. We got COVID-19. Like we got to bring back the McRib. Now is the time, you know, yeah, this is spot on. And you're right too. See, not everybody lives in terrible times. Dude. The McDonald's, McDonald's, they just, well, they're just capitalist pigs, but it still makes me smile and <laughs> smile and be happy. And, and it, you know, what I love about McDonald's is that my kids still love Happy Meals. It reminds me of me having a Happy Meal. And sure. it's like, what do you want? I get my son up from school. He's in kindergarten. He, he, he only goes half day. And I go, what do you want? Ice cream or, or McDonald's? And he either gets ice cream at Dairy Queen or we go to McDonald's. And I just love it when he says that McDonald's. I said, what do you want? He says, Happy Meal. I said, what do you want to happen? He goes, I, I want cheeseburger, cheeseburger and french fries this time. It's like, Roger, do you want? I, and I said, I said, Roger that. <laughs> Roger that. <laughs> he goes, he goes, I go, do you want milk or Sprite? And he, I love it because he always says milk. And uh, But every once in a while, he'll say Sprite. And I just love it because we go there and he, he's happy. I mean, just he's so excited like I was to go to McDonald's when I was a kid. And it just, again, it brings back memories. And that's something that hasn't stopped as this woke and this cancel culture and all this other craps out there, McDonald's and the happiness of McDonald's still stays constant and the trans fat still stays there. <laughs> <laughs> it's still pretty much, it's still pretty much the exact same menu yeah. as like when I was five. I, yeah. I don't think it's really changed. I mean, really minor changes. You, you got salad there and healthy stuff, but nobody eats that shit. They want no, the trans no. fat. I go I've, there I've always time. seen, this is not my line, but I've always seen on, uh, you know, online, it's like going to McDonald's for a salad is like going to a hooker for a hug. Like, <laughs> so so. Very well said. Very well said. <laughs> it's not, it's hashtag, not me. Hashtag true. Um, the, uh, the last thing I'll mention, I, I actually did write it down, is just uh, glad to see Gary Brugman out and about with his uh, daughter. Uh, I think a lot of you know, for those who don't know, Gary was hospitalized yeah. uh, with COVID. I, I remember we found out after we taped the show and both of us, luckily we could laugh at this now. We are like, why is he taping himself on a ventilator? <laughs> and because uh, I, I don't, no one would want that to be your last memory. You barely being able to breathe. So I'm just glad to see he's fine well, and, out and about. And now I can give him shit for that being the best picture, best portrait he's ever taken of his life. That's the best he's ever looked. But I'll do that in person when I see him. It's like, dude, that ventilator picture—you have never looked better than that, <laughs> Marty Cohen. 
your PJ might have come. But yeah, and I'll probably see him when we have our course in Fort Worth, uh, our battle yeah. light course. He usually comes and helps out, and I probably won't be able to help out this year because I think he's trying to learn how to walk again, which he, he'll get it. And yeah, the best thing he can do he's, he's got a you know he's real skinny. I got he he looks like a ranger after ranger school. He really does. He's just I Gary is skinny. Like Gary's like a big muscular. He dude. is. He's so emaciated. So what do you wow. need to do, Gary? This is a perfect. We, we already told you. You need to go to McDonald's and you need to get like eight McRibs. <laughs> Start eating the shit out of those McRibs, dude. Knock it out. Yeah. I. But no, I'm, I'm very glad because the thing is when he when we had him on, which was nearly two years ago at this point, he was not in a good place in terms of this whole pardon thing. And I, as I've said, I, I try to be an optimistic person. I didn't think it was going to happen. And when it did happen, I think it was just such a positive experience. And this is supposed to be like the second half of his life, yeah. this post-pardon, Gary Brugman, this miraculous thing happened, and I would not want it to end like that. I think it's got to end with him, uh, you know, doing more positive things. He's, he's a great guy, and he, he is the type of guy who has a giant smile on his face when you see him, usually. And I, and I, and I hope, you know, because he, he got in, he actually, I saw him getting into it. He got into the media a lot and got into that scene. I'll be honest, I, I hope this is a wake-up call to say, hey, man, fuck that. You don't need to be in there. Do what makes you happy. Be with your friends. Don't worry about the social media. Don't worry about doing the media. Don't worry about doing the rallies and shit. Um, I think he likes that, though, to an extent. You know, know, I don't know if that was healthy, though. If that's not healthy, brother, you need to find out something that's more healthy. But in yeah. the meantime, be unhealthy and go eat some McRibs, dude. You weigh, you look like you weigh about 130 pounds. Go That's get some That's the opposite McRibs. of being healthy. <laughs> but you got to eat. I, you know what? You are right that you have to eat something. I remember. And I'm so, I'm keeping you along here. No, no, like, I remember. I just remember at the very end of my grandma's life, you know, she was in this assisted living facility. She hated the food there. My grandma, like, barely eats always uh, when she was alive. And, yeah, I had to bring her, like, a vanilla ice cream shake. And I was like, keep sipping this just so she had something. No, I, so, yeah, you're right. Sometimes but you're a workout guy, too. If you, yeah. if you work out all the time and you run, you, you have to have a little fat in your diet. I remember oh, telling yeah. that where I, I wasn't eating anything, any fat. And I was I, – I my runs, I was struggling through them. And I remember I had a – I was going to Lifetime Fitness at the time, and, and I had I went and talked to a nutritionist there, and they're like, "What are you eating?" I said, "I'm eating this, this." I wasn't eating anything fat, like anything like bacon or. He goes, "Well, there's no wonder you have no carbs, you have no energy. You got, you need to go go right now and go get a bacon cheeseburger." And I realized that okay, yeah, unless you're bo- unless you're shredding for a show, <laughs> like yeah. the go, which which itself is not healthy. Not healthy. People don't know yeah. a lot of the times when you see the guy with <laughs> ultra shredded. Uh, on the cover of a men's magazine, not you know, not necessarily the one you were on, but because <laughs> you, you were you, you did it healthy from what you told me. Actually, I just had I had just eaten a plate of nachos before that uh, before that shoot. Yeah, I just which is nachos. insane. But yeah, usually with the water depletion, yeah, and the yeah. depleting of carbs, they're at their least healthy. And then you and I have talked about it, like guys on steroids. I mean, uh-huh. it's the antithesis of being healthy. And you would think like this is the health and nutrition. Uh, fields, but some of these people are as as unhealthy as someone who's morbidly obese. Quite honestly, and right inside, and believe me, guys, guys, don't get stuck on that testosterone, human growth hormone, you because it causes your body to stop making its own testosterone. So once oh, yeah. you get on it and you You're stay on, on it for life. years, you can't get off it. And when you get older, it's not a good. If if you don't get colon cancer, it's not a good life to live, guys. Um, I'm not on it. I'm 50 years old, and I I'm in great shape. I just work a little bit harder at it. I just have to work at it and I had to change my workouts. That's all you do. 
just have to put a little bit more time in and you have to change up your style of workouts. And that's just, you, that's just what I do. And, and, and Bubs, dude, I'm telling you, and Bubs, Bubs is <laughs> awesome. That's not just a play for Bubs. Bubs does a tremendous job, but obviously people are figuring that out because now they're, they're everywhere and they they're doing their own competitions. Now they're sponsoring their own like CrossFit competitions. Check out their IG page. They're, they're doing amazing things. So we're just, I'm yeah. glad we're, I'm glad we got with them early. They, they're, they're too big for us. They wouldn't want us to be part of them now. I'm glad we, we caught up with Bubs early, but uh, no, nah, yeah, I, I love it, man. And that's, and that's also Sean Lake loves that yeah. stuff and Glenn Doherty loved it. So yeah. it, it yeah. fits into the brand. Um, the last thing I'll say is next episode is going to be guest free. So uh, shoot us your emails. Questions. To, uh, Battle line podcast. Yeah. Your questions to battle podcast at gmail.com. Uh, thanks to Jason for coming on. And uh, thanks to you guys. Leave us all uh, your reviews on Apple podcasts. It, it really helps. And uh November 1st, whether you want to uh, go eat a McRib or don't eat a McRib, uh, but it, it's back. I'm having a McRib. Every Friday is my cheat day, so I'm going to have, have a McRib on a Friday in November. And whoever left us that last, last uh, evaluation, yeah, yeah. review on... Uh, post- evaluation. Evaluation. Oh, I should say it's <laughs> Hey, thank you. And that, that means a lot because that's what we're shooting for. So thank you. Thanks out there. That's all for this episode of the Battleline Podcast. But we'll be back on Monday with more American Straight Talk. Until then, be sure to follow us on Instagram at Battleline Podcast and on Twitter at Battleline Pod. To sign up for future Battleline tactical courses, go to www.christantoperanto.net. Believe in yourself, face all challenges head on, and as always, never, never quit. quit.